This is a Podfire production. Hi, I'm Ryan and welcome to the New Nirvana podcast, where we dive into everything to do with mental health and well-being. Anything that can improve your life, we're here to talk about. All right, welcome to this week's episode of New Nirvana. This week's episode, we're bringing on Sharon Anyos. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, Anyos, yeah. Anyos. <laughs> Um, so Sharon is five times world champion for boxing. Um, she's also getting inducted into Queensland, Australia and International Hall of Fame. Is that correct? Yeah, I've already been done in Queensland yep. and um, just about to be inducted into Australian Hall of Fame, uh, which has been a journey and the International Women's Hall of Fame. Uh, I was meant to be in America like two years ago, but with all the shutdowns, like everything being locked down, it was a bit hard. Yeah, so I've got to just watch the way I speak to Sharon today because <laughs> it could be a little, you know... No, and uh, and so currently Sharon is doing a lot of, um, she's always been a beautiful person, always been a part of my life in the last five years as she's just someone that brings a lot of joy and always fun to be around. So I think that when we first connected, we had a lot of fun and um, yeah, so Sharon's also got four boys. Uh, I don't know if she does it because they're all crazy. Uh, but yeah, when you go there, there's a lot of chaos, but uh, it's yeah, uh, they're, they're good boys and um Welcome to the episode. I'm very grateful to be here. When you talk about chaos, you do need to probably let everyone know you're the one that actually taught them how to backflip into my pool off rocks that weren't too close to my pool. And you, did you backflip off my roof as well? Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and so obviously it always, you know, whatever's in you, you see in someone else. So when Ryan's saying he sees craziness in them, he's got that natural ability. But um, I think they've kind of followed in your footsteps that everything that's fun and natural and sporty and that's kind of where they're at and if Ryan can backflip from somewhere or do something then that's what they want to do yeah definitely no nah, it's always been heaps of fun all right so Sharon let's let's go back actually no we'll start with your your boxing oh, career no, walk us through um a, a day in the life of Sharon uh, becoming world champion oh my goodness so that was a little while ago um it, <laughs> my dad will love this. I used to hide chocolates under my mattress because <laughs> I would be on a pretty strict e like eating regime, as you can imagine. Um, and Did it, it ever cause you to go overweight and weigh in? Well, <laughs> I'll come to that. <laughs> but I, I kind of fought at featherweight, so it was like I had to be under, oh, I was 57 kilos, just under 57 kilos, 126 pounds in America because everything's kind of done in pounds. Yeah. Um, and oh my gosh, when I started off, I definitely wasn't 126 pounds. When I come up, moved to um, the Gold Coast and followed mum and dad back in, I don't know, it was 1997, I think it was. I do know, it was 1997. Um, you know, I was kind of quite large. It was probably about 95 kilos then. And um, I remember dad taking me for a run on the beach for the first time and I had sneakers on. I hadn't really run on the beach. I'd done lots of karate and stuff all my life. But um was so busy working and just doing adult things, you know, and um, I remember him taking me for a run and we like got down to Broad Beach and he said, we're running all the way, to, we're going to run to surface and back. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is really hard. Like and the sand was soft and I thought, I might go and run down where the water is. And I thought in, in the back of my head, I thought if I get my shoes really wet and they're really heavy, I might be able to stop. And he just said, keep running. <laughs> so not only... Made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> Shortcuts never work, people. Absolutely, they don't. <laughs> Unless you're already trialed and tested and you know that the shortcut is actually um, going to work in your favour. But stopping definitely wasn't going to work in my favour. And he just said, just keep running. We're not stopping. Um, 
I'm not as scared of my dad now. So if he said keep running, I'd be like, hang on. <laughs> I also had another little bit of a trick. There was these two beautiful dogs. Like, um, you know, like, um, is it Jake and the Fat Man? That sitcom that used to be on, there was that, like a bulldog, little fat bulldog on it. You probably oh, don't know. I don't it was remember. like my, yeah. yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, so there'd be one of them and a boxer dog and every morning when we'd run, I'd have to stop and give them a cuddle and a kiss and never play and he'd be like, will you get up and run? But literally every day consisted of, I would wake up like while it was still dark and I would run anywhere from five to probably 18 kilometres um, and then I'd go home and I'd rest and I'd, by three o'clock I'd be back in the gym um, and I'd be doing probably back then it would be 30, 40 rounds. It would yep. be a mix of skipping, shadow boxing, um, pad work, bag work and then... Probably three, four times a week back then I'd spar. Um, so spar isn't when you get to lay in water and have fun and kind of think it feels lovely. It's actually <laughs> where someone's going to try and punch you in the face and you're in the ring and you've got a timer and you can't stop because their job is to make sure you work hard. Yep. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me is I never ever trained. I trained alongside women but I didn't train with them for my performance. I would train with them for their performance. Um, anything to do with my, me getting ready for a fight. If I was doing a 10-round sparring session... I would have five different men there and every two rounds a fresh guy would get in. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah. I kind of learnt really quickly, you know, when I was competing that I would just get stronger every round because I had to. I Like it just got instilled into me subconsciously yeah. that round three it's going to be fresh and round five it's going to be fresh and round seven it's going to be fresh. Like I just had to keep digging deeper um, and I used to only run and train alongside men for me because my whole mental process was – if I, could, if I could train with people where I had to become fitter, faster, stronger, then that's what would push, push me. But if I was training with someone that was around the same level as me, it wouldn't be able to push me to that point. No, of course, yeah. That's like anything in life, I suppose. You always go you know, hang around people or you know, train with people that are better. You're always going to get better. And, um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that, that will bring me to something that you know, it's easy to kind of fall backwards and kind of um, isolate ourselves in times where things are tough. And um, also maybe hang around with people that are probably not going to bring out the best in us as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think um, it just in that space there, while we're talking about that, I just want to kind of bring out that I think um, in all of my years of training and being around so many men, like I really uh, – you see what happens to them emotionally and when they think they're enough or not enough. And um, like I remember being at a Tony Robbins um, event and I'm standing beside one of my – other best friends, you are one of them, but um, Ian Jacobs. Um, and to, like Tony's got the whole crowd going. Like, I'm like, I'm in Sydney, I'm like, I can't believe you're here. We're standing next to each other, and you're not going to believe it. But when he says, On the count of three, I want you to yell at your biggest fear, right? So both of us are standing next to each other, and the music's going. He's like, One, two, and guess what? We both yelled at exactly the same thing. Now, we're both world champions, we've both done incredible things, right? And we both yelled out, I am not enough. I was just about to say, I bet it is I'm not enough. Yeah. Um, that's almost a universal belief that we all have at some level, I do believe. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we've all got to work on. Um, trying to untrain that, or I suppose, because I think it's instilled to us at such a young age um, through the whatever through whether it's through parenting or collective consciousness or, or whatever you want to call it mm. but uh, it's something that all of us suffer and that doesn't surprise me one little bit and i think 95 percent of the room would have said something very similar absolutely to, to 
It was like, shit, I'm not, can you say that on this podcast? You can say what Sugar. the fuck you want. Because <laughs> yeah, I was say, like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, Sharon, or you can say, hurry up. Because <laughs> I, I was like, I actually didn't say shit, I was like, fuck, he thinks the same as me. Mm. And I think kind of fast forward another 15 years, 20 years, and now I'm like, I literally just, for me, I'm, I'm enough and more for everything I step into. Mm. Like I've been able to reprogram myself and, and um, when you talk about parenting and stuff, I just I want to share something. I've been watching, because my kids like to watch the same, sh- like if it's a movie, we don't have normal TV, we don't watch the news, we don't watch anything that's going on, we don't buy the newspaper. Yeah. Um, I kind of go into a space of always creating my own reality, like constantly, and I live in the question all the time. And, you know, I'll always ask myself, like, does this feel light for me? Does it feel heavy? It feels heavy. It's not for me energetically. If it feels light, definitely it is. And I, I get my boys to kind of make all their own decisions as well. Like I'm really... I really push, mm. even though I, I school my kids from home. Can I ask a quick question on that? So can you distinguish in the feeling what's – because obviously whether it feels heavy, um, but something that is difficult like, okay, if I told you to do like, you know, uh, 100 burpees, that would feel pretty heavy, but, yeah, it's, it's good for you. So how do you distinguish between okay, so no sort of like a fear or, or, or not so much a fear, but there are certain subtleties – to the feelings where some could be fear-based and be the wrong thing, but some could be fear-based and be the right thing, I suppose is what yep. I'm trying to say. So even if it's fear-based, so you say to me 100 burpees, my body goes, absolutely, right? Energetically, I'm like 100 burpees, my heart and my lungs will be like, oh my God, this is going <laughs> to hurt. It's going to take a while. Can we just do like two at a time? Yeah. Right? But so energetically, my body will feel light because I know it's good for me. Okay. So even if it's fear-based, so if you say to me, you know, we're going to come and do a podcast, um, blah, 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 blah. That felt light for me. So I was like, absolutely, 100%. had no idea really what we're going to be discussing at the time when you asked. I just said yes. But if you asked me and it felt heavy, so we organised it for a certain day and there was some stuff going on with my kids, yeah. that felt heavy for me that day. So I was like, is there any chance we can move it? And here we are now. So that's what I mean by light or heavy. Even if you're afraid of something, your energy in your body will be saying, yes, that's really good for us. Do you know what I mean? Rather than, you know, if someone says we're going to go for a walk out on the beach for five kilometres, the Mm. energy, even though you might be afraid of seagulls, sand, sunshine, whatever it may be, the energy of your body is like, oh, sunshine, water, sand, that feels light. So (coughs) you will, if you you ask yourself, so just say somebody – rings you up or somebody asks you, do you want to come out, do you want to do this, do you want to do whatever, and go go for lunch or you might the phone might ring, you might just, do I want to answer the phone, right? Does that feel light or heavy? You don't always have to answer the phone. So yeah. I just go straight into that spot because if it feels heavy, there could be something on the phone that you don't need to deal with right now. Mm. It could be something you could deal with tomorrow when you're in a different state. I guess the reason why I ask this question is, you know, I deal with and talk to a lot of people with, anxiety and, and like especially like depression and getting out of bed to them would feel heavy you know what i mean whereas they've yep. got to get out of bed so i guess i'm trying to um trying to pinpoint or or trying to discuss and find out what is the little discrepancies because i know like a lot of people just be like well i don't f- yeah feeling get out of, get out of bed could feel very heavy so um, maybe could you ask a different question so instead of do i want to get out of bed today not many people do want to get out of bed Mm. especially when it's cold as well but um, when you go when we go into you know people that are dealing with anxiety and depression and all that kind of thing instead of do I want to get out of bed today 
um, could they ask another question? Could it be, do I want to show up and help the rest of the team today? Yeah. Does that feel light or heavy? Do I want to just go and make my boss happy today? Do I want to go and see my mates today? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So if we, we move it from what's a different outcome rather than the outcome of just trying to get out of bed. Yeah. Um, so you do, do you do any sort of uh, like kinesiology, like, you know, muscle testing or stuff or yep. is it just, just a feeling for you? Yeah. Well, I've, I've muscle tested for a long time. So now for me, I just do light or heavy. So even if I'm, so give you another example, like uh, I had a couple of people come into my house a, a couple of years ago to interview them about cleaning up my house. Um, and one of them knocked on the door and this is what is really important that believe in your gut feeling and believe in what if actually feels light or heavy because one had got there and before I even opened the door, I was like, oh, this just feels really heavy and I haven't even seen her. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it happens to be that she came in, she was Italian, hardly spoke any English, didn't know how to talk to the children, didn't really know how to talk to anyone. I'm making her a cup of coffee. I'm always super kind when it comes to people working because they're a part of my foundation. They don't. I'm not their boss. I don't see it as that way. I believe we're a team. Yeah. Um, and I just knew straight away. And then the next girl that come before I even opened the door, I just felt, okay, this is the one. I hadn't even spoken to her. Yeah. Right? So it's it's incredible what signals your body will give you to tell you, hey, this is good for you or this is probably not mm. so great. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm still trying to grasp and I'm still trying to – because I, I know when it comes to, say, someone that's had some trauma or whatever, like things are going to feel not right in their body when they are actually are – right because they've gone through a certain trauma or tri- you know, tribulation or or they've gone through some experience which will trigger an emotional response that will feel heavy even though that's probably the right thing that they should do i'm just wondering um yeah how they can distinguish the difference is that does that kind yeah, of make sense makes sense so um emotions are when energetically when i look at emotions emotions are a distractor implant they distract us from being who we're meant to be I was going to go back for survival. Yeah, I was going to. Well, <laughs> I was going to go back and talk about when we talk about what seeds are planted, um, and I was talking about my kids watching movies, right? So there's this one, and now because I'm probably more aware and awake of what's kind of happening out in the world, yep. um, you know, and then how we are being programmed through movies and TV and news and all that kind of thing. Um, no, no one ever has to buy my theory at all. Just go with your own. Um, but one thing I've noticed, so the boys have been watching this movie, which is Zootropolis. So it started off Zootopia, then it went to Zootropolis is the name. And it's about this little bunny who's a, their parents are a carrot farmer. And then she wants to be a police officer in the big city. And then um, the, the, the parents say things like, the father says things like, you sure this is what you want to do? Like, your mother and I, we settled hard. We settled hard. And she said, oh, yeah, we definitely settled hard. Like, we settled for just what we could get rather than what we could, what what was possible. And then um, when, she, when she makes it into, like, she just got hammered through all the testings and she finally made it into the police force. And this big, big, you know, I don't know, whatever he was, horns, he was the big boss. And mm-hmm. he just said you measly little this, that and everything else, you think that you're going to just wish and work to do something and think you're going to get somewhere in life? Well, let me tell you, that's never going to happen, right? So we don't even realise that in the movies that we watch, they're subconsciously programming us Mm. that we're never enough. It doesn't matter how hard we try, right? So sometimes when when we look at, okay, 
um, emotion, emotions are distracted implant. If if we all got to be in a very present moment, not thinking about what happened in the past, not thinking about what we're going to deal with in the future, and you're in a present moment, there's like no emotion because you you just you're here. Now, that was a, a, people are going to go, oh, that just sounds freaking ridiculous. One of my sons, Willie, he's got Down syndrome. This boy is a present moment kid, mm. right? It's not always easy. No, he's, he's a funny little bugger too. <laughs> yeah, but he's very present moment and he's got bigger and stronger. Now he plays basketball and everything as well. Um, does Gets his pop to teach him how to box. But he's very present, so it doesn't matter what's going on. If you're sitting there having a conversation with him and your phone rings and pick up your phone, he puts your phone down. It's like, yeah. no, we're talking. Yeah. Or if he's in it having a cuddle with you and 20 people walk through the door and you look up, He'll bring your face back to him. Doesn't matter. He won't even look at the twenty people coming through the door because he just is in a present mm. moment. You can be reading a book, and then something will happen. You'll go to get up. He's like, no, no, back here. We're in the book, right? So what a beautiful <laughs> gift that is to have a child that is teaching you on a level. Oh of, my goodness! You know what I mean? That that's incredible. Like I know, like most people when they think of Dan syndrome, they think, oh, it must be so tough. But which it is tough. Like, you know what I mean? Like um, four like, kids uh, is tough. Yeah. Better than there's anything else going on. <laughs> Yeah, obviously, four kids and have one have Down syndrome would be, you know, I don't know how you do it. It's um, very incredible. But, yeah, to, but, to, I mean, there's so many things that Willie can teach us and has, Kent does teach us. Yeah. It's just so cool. Like, it's almost like for every quality that you will perceive to be, like, bad or negative, there's the opposite that he's got that's teaching you. The Absolutely. Other, you know what I mean? Like, the amount of love that kid gives is incredible. You know, what I mean, like he's you know come and give you a big hug straight away. And oh, yeah, I know. He's, yeah, his his nickname is is Willie Willie the Love Bug. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so when he when he even when he gets frustrated because obviously he's got brothers and they don't really listen and they say oh it's too hard and because Willie doesn't communicate the same way all the time. Yep. Um, <coughs> or there could just be something going on between him and Tyler. I just I just stop. So if I get frustrated, guess what? just encourages more frustration doesn't matter who it's from if i go to willie willie stop and give me or give me a cuddle give me all your angry and you take all my love he's like oh mummy, like just falls into it straight away mm. so even with um my other son tyler like he's with me all the time right and then i even said something to him like i just need a break and he said you you know what he said to me you should be thankful that i love you as much as i do and i like spending time with you because most kids don't actually like their parents and i'm like ouch well, that's, that's actually burn <laughs> not they don't like their parents but they probably don't like how they know you have to go and do yeah, that, and yeah, do that. Yeah. So, um and i think i i got that opportunity um you know i've had to make different sacrifices in my life because i wanted to teach my kids not have them taught if that makes sense. So mm. I want to teach them about how life is and what gratitude is and what being present is and what love is and mm. what kindness is and what you do with other people. And that it doesn't matter what people look like. You always got them to say hello. And, you know, um, rather than being in a state of judgment, cause that's where we normally live. And it, it shapes us even in school, like hearing what kids say to my kids on a basketball court or to other kids is just, and they're like nine and 10, mm. these kids and the words that come out based on whatever they got on, YouTube or whatever else they get to watch is crazy stuff. But I think probably the biggest thing is sometimes we also think that um, – because I, I have gone through a lot of emotional ups and downs in my life, like a lot. Like kind of you get to the top of the world, you fall down. You, and I'm not saying just in boxing, but something happens, you're in a relationship, it's beautiful, it's amazing, then it turns to shit and then all of a sudden you fall down and 
you know, it doesn't matter who it's with. So it could be someone that's like pushed so many buttons and kind of made you believe that you are nothing but a piece of crap. Yeah. Um, you could be working for someone, working really hard, and they could have no appreciation. This is a big thing. If you are running a business and you are employing people, please stop treating them like shit. Treat them like amazing people because they're your foundation. Someone comes to my house to clean my house. They can't They can't come into my house unless they have – if I'm making coffee, they'll have a coffee or a tea or whatever they want to drink. They'll have lunch with us. But half the time if I've got a cleaner coming in, they're like, oh, no, 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 I, I won't eat. But they'll come and clean my house for four hours and then race off to school to pick their kids up eating an apple. Mm. So I kind of say you're a part of my foundation. So if you are an employer and you're listening to this, start treating your people properly. Do you know what I mean? If it means giving them an extra couple of dollars an hour in their pay packet, if it means just buying them a coffee once a week or turning up with muffins or something or something, you know, where they feel good and they feel like they're appreciated, this is a big thing. There's still so many employers out there that underappreciate the people that work their ass off. And for those that are in those spaces where you're underappreciated, sometimes it's nice to take a step back and go, what else is possible for me? And if you don't stay in the question, right, this is another big thing that happens is we go, fuck, I'm useless, I'm not worthy, or this has happened to me and I'm just broken, rather than, hey, universe, tell me what else is possible. What else could I do today? What what could come into my world today? Don't look for the answer. Let the universe bring you something. But the minute you start asking a question rather than coming from a space of the decision's already made, I am ang- filled with anxiety, I am filled with depression, I've had so much trauma. When we stay in that, we literally stay in that. If you could ask the question, what else is possible to bring me joy? What else is possible to show me love? Mm. Right? Love is also to me a distractor implant. Asking right? the right questions, yeah. But just asking about what else, what, what could I do today? And if I'm in a really bad space and a really bad job and I'm not happy and I'm underpaid and I'm working my ass off and no one cares, what's possible for something new to come up? Hey, universe, what else is out there? Yeah. Right? And when you ask the question, guess what? the energy vibration of that will start looking for what else is possible and then something else will show up. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and people might go, well, I've done that before. Yeah, you may have, but just keep doing it. Stay living in the question. When mm. we already concrete something as real and done, we're kind of stuck. It's like you're stuck in concrete or mud. So, d- And the uh, only way to get out of it is by going back to the question. What would it take for me to feel more joy every day? Not what would it take for me to get rid of this horrible boss and blah, 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 blah. What would it take for me to find a fun place to work in that pays me what I'm worth? Mm. Right? Question, 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 question. Even if you write them out. One of the things I do when I'm coaching people um, is, or well, two of the things, I'll give you two. One is I get them to write left-handed. Right? Because mm. guess what? Or if you're left-handed, I'd get you to write right-handed. And I'll tell you why, if I can. When we write with the opposite hand, whatever it is that we're writing, and it will just be, you know, it could be your question, what what else could I do to, what else could happen right now to bring me joy? You write that in the opposite hand 20 times, guess where you are? What, present? Present. Yeah. Because you're trying to write, so you're thinking about every word. So every part of Mm. those words or those questions. That's a good little tip. Oh, it probably looked the same as my writing right hand on that <laughs> messy. Anyway. So it probably won't look any different, but it doesn't matter. But no, try it. Right. So even sometimes we think <coughs> affirmations, affirmations, affirmations. However, when it comes to an affirmation, if your subconscious doesn't already believe you are that, it takes a lot of a, a lot of work to try and get it to believe. It, especially if you mm. aren't a millionaire and you want to be, or you aren't a size six and you want to be, or you don't have the perfect girlfriend or boyfriend but you want them. Do you know what I mean? So. We're being writing things out that are more in the question is powerful. 
really powerful. The other thing I do is um is I think it's um thinking in a man as a man thinketh. But it's the page called Serenity, uh, the chapter called Serenity. I think it's chapter nine or chapter eleven. Yeah. And you write that out and write that out left handed. It's literally it's like four or five paragraphs and people go, oh, I'm not gonna write something out left handed. It's four or five paragraphs, it's gonna take me half an hour. It yeah. will, but guess what? The more you write it, now I've gone and written it for thirty days straight. Mm. The more I've written it, the it, a different word will speak to me every time I write it. So right. can, you, can you give us like a baseline of what it says? So serenity is about um, how a calm man or woman can achieve and be everywhere and anywhere and be able to function and run business well and be um, understood and people will take notice. Somebody who lives in frustration, anger, fear, all of those, without being calm, it doesn't work. Mm. So while you're writing around serenity, all these words are going into your subconscious and into you energetically because you, you're feeling through the words as you're writing them. But you can't just write it once or write one paragraph. right? So it's um, And another thing I used to do if, is if, I didn't, if we didn't write it, when I first started it was I would read one line and then I'd have somebody on the phone or somebody in the room and they'd read the second line. I'd read the third, they'd read the fourth. We didn't change because I've already read the first and the third you know, after five days. We did that as well for 30 days. Mm. We just stuck with the words that we had. So you're constantly doing repeat, 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 which is what they do to stick everything into our mind anyway, whether it's from the news, from parenting, yeah. from school. I think it's very made very popular through um, Think and Go Rich auto-suggestion. Auto no, auto-suggestion. Auto yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the more you think say something over and over, I suppose like affirmations, but like you said, if you don't believe it to start with, and one of the best tricks that I've learned for believing it is say it with meaning. You know, a lot of people do affirmations, but they just go through the motions, right? Whereas yeah. if you like f like start, they call it like an incantation is probably a better word because you really get in the feeling of saying it and actually force yourself to believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, affirmations if will still work over a long, long period of time, but you can cut that right down just from how much feeling that you give it while you, while you actually say it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think another thing that's probably really a really valid point, um, if you are somewhere or you've done something, you know, like I, I deal with this with parenting all the time, I may respond not perfect, but instead of going, oh, my God, I just done the wrong thing and I run off and I stay angry and whatever, I just stop and I look and I go, oh, my gosh, I didn't do that real well. I didn't handle that real well, buddy. This is probably how mummy could have handled it if she was thinking a bit clearer and she was and she was present rather than thinking about what she's got to get done in 10 minutes' time or who we've got to go and meet or who's waiting at the gym or whatever it may be. Because we'll always come into frustration when we've got to be somewhere or do something, right, and then some, a little hiccup will happen, right? So um, one of the first things I do is I just go and apologise, whether it's, you know, it's usually we, we seem to say things and do things to our kids, right, or to the people that we love mm. because that's going to be okay. When my kids, you know, if my boys have got something new that they're starting or they're going to a new team or whatever it is, I already know that that first morning, like that first half of the day is going to be them going through their own anxiety, their own stress and their own... Now, I could turn around and go, you're not allowed to do that. That's just not appropriate and tell them off or put them in a corner or whatever. Yeah. Rather, I choose, my choice becomes... Hey, buddy, I know you're probably going through some stress, boys. You're probably all going through some stress right now and you're probably all going through some self-doubt. What if you turned up and your team was just amazing and you had fun and no one cared mm. about size or shape or 
the way you spoke or how your hair looks. What if, because our kids have so much pressure put on them all the time. So I'm kind of, I, I guess I would say I'm a parent where if my children swear, I'm not jumping on them like, oh, you can't do that. Because you're going to get to adulthood and guess what? You're probably going to swear. Mm. You're probably going to swear quite a bit. Um, or you're going to drink or you're going to do whatever, right? But I feel like there's a lot of times where we don't allow our kids to feel these emotions to understand. They get angry and bang a, a hole in a wall, right? Then they get in trouble straight away. They haven't worked out how to deal with that anger yet. So it just gets bottled up. Okay, that's going to be interesting to get sorted out, but tell me, what's what's actually going on with you right now? Yeah. Are you, could we have a, could, you know, can I hug you right now? You know, trust me, my boys get into some great arguments, but it comes to a point of, okay, neither has handled that really well. This is probably what I could have done better as a mum to listen so you can learn. You know, I have people saying to me, you need to, and I'm like, my, my boys are not bad boys. No kids are bad kids. And I just actually seen something in another room when I walked in here about kids are born bad. It's not about being bad. It's about we're so used to shutting people down That's actually from having Brett's, an emotion. Brett's books, I think. Oh, is that Brett's book? Yeah, I've just yeah. seen a massive thing and I'm like, oh, my God, I, I love – I just love seeing that. I was like – because they're not. But we don't allow them to regulate emotion. Most of the time they'll get medicated for emotion because they don't know how to regulate mm. it. They don't know how to deal with it. For the first few years, I would say to my kids, if, you're, if something's got you so angry because it's a distractor implant, it's an emotion, if something's got you so angry – Go and punch the big teddy bear or go – we had a massive, massive teddy bear. Go and punch that or go and punch your pillow. Go and slap your pillow on the bed as many times as you can, right? Or just oh, scream or, or come and hug me and let me take it all and you take all my love, right? So it's like they get to learn I'm allowed to be angry. There's always going to be a consequence attached to it. Choice creates awareness. If you choose to be angry and fly off at someone, something's going to happen. But then they've got to learn how to deal with that and how to – repair whatever's been done mm. rather than get in trouble, get sent to their room, get told to shut up and no one's listened to them. They're, they're trying to cry out for something and everyone's too busy. Mm, that's a very good point. And then we come into adulthood and it's like I've got a beautiful friend living with me now um, uh, and she's in her 70s and she's a school teacher and she's just amazing. And I said to her, like, at what age did you actually get to look in a mirror and be able to tell yourself how much you love yourself and that you believe in yourself. And she, you know what she said to me? What? I don't think I'm there yet. Now, let me ask all the <coughs> listeners out there, how many of you have actually been able to look in a mirror and truly say to yourself, I love you and attach your name to it? I've done this with so many people on Zoom. They can't even look. There could be 20 people on the screen. They can't even look at the screen. They look straight down. We're not taught to love ourselves. Mm. Right, And then we judge, we're in a space of judgment that if someone's angry or swearing or yelling or frustrated, instead of understanding that person's got an emotion, we attach, well, they obviously don't love each other and they don't love themselves because that's how they behave. Rather than this is them learning how to use a mechanism of an emotion. Right? Yeah. Now, I'll tell you, so I'm, I don't know, I think I turned 50 recently, last year maybe. I don't know. But I was, I was literally, I was 47 47 years old when I looked in a mirror and decided I actually love myself. I don't give a fuck about anything else anymore. I care about me, 
right? But we're trained that we've always got to look after and care about other people and worry yep. about other people rather than ourselves. So we lose sight in ourselves because everyone else is more important than what we are. And then everybody else, so those of you that have got kids out there or, or um, nieces and nephews and all that kind of thing, usually the parents, think about when you say something because you're frustrated or angry to your kid because they've done something. Are you saying it because they've done something or are you saying it because you prefer to be saying it to somebody else but you're too shy to or too scared to or too worried but it's actually some, what somebody else has done has left this emotion in you and it's coming out in your child, right? Mm. You're, you're giving it to your child. Another question is, if somebody did the same thing to you on the street that you didn't know, would you actually say and do the same things you do to your own kid? No, of course not, yeah. To a person. Mm. Yet these bundles that we love so much, we find Feel it... the brunt of our... Um, they see the worst side of us, I suppose, and it is the people that you're supposed to love the most. So, yeah, that's... Uh, what if you flipped it? What <laughs> if they got to see the best side? Yeah. And what if somebody that done something in the street, you just stopped and said, listen, that was actually a really shitty thing to do. And I've allowed whatever you've just done or said then to actually uh, affect me. And I'd like to know, is there a different way you could have done that? Yeah. Right, we get so worried about what other people may think rather than these humans that we're raising that everything's kind of back to front imagine just being able to say fuck off to someone who's done something right in front of you fuck off i don't even like you and i don't need to like you 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 stay there i'll stay here and you'd walk i can guarantee you you'd walk <laughs> off and you go oh gosh that felt good and funny enough unless it was your boss and you sacked no. Well, <laughs> sometimes the bosses have to stop and listen because if yeah, they were yeah. actually doing being kind yeah. to their employees, <laughs> right, rather than treating them like shit and trying to get as much out of them for as little amount of money, mm. right, it would be a different story. Yeah. I hear stories from men all the time that work their ass off. Some get out of bed at four o'clock in the morning and go to work. Some people are just, some are just getting home at four o'clock in the morning. They work for this minuscule amount of money, right, and there's no appreciation no gratitude no nothing yeah it's all it's crazy yeah so i just want to roll back to that you said at 47 uh you were able to say that you love yourself okay walk us through how did you get to that point and what was the tipping point and what was the catalyst that made you go you know what fuck it or like what yeah walk us through that yeah because uh, obviously there'd be a lot of listeners going oh, i wish i could get to that point yeah, well, I, I did it the long way. I didn't go into question about anything back then. I did it the long way. I did lots and lots of affirmations, lots and lots of mirror talking, lots and lots of left-handed writing. Um, and even in my left-handed writing, it was affirmations. Um, I did the serenity. And I, I think I pr programmed, I judge myself so much and I compare myself to everybody else, right? And now social media is probably one of the toughest things because mm. we – Everyone's only going to show you their good shit. Yeah. Like, don't go to my social media, please don't, because I'm awake and I share some stuff and I've definitely lost friends and family over it. But, you know, we all... We Everyone puts their highlight reel on, that's yeah. for sure. But it's like, I'm a, I can only share and show what I what I see, but I'm definitely not the girl that's going to get up and put on 10 tonne of makeup and blow dry my hair and make sure I'm in the right lighting and do everything else. Like, I didn't even turn up here like that. I'm just me. I don't, I don't need to be pretend to be someone better. Right, and I'm not. I'm not saying that if you are an influencer that you that you shouldn't do that. You do whatever feels light for you, right? But we've kind of got to a point of we're constantly programmed. We're constantly programmed about what is acceptable, what's not acceptable, what's pretty, what's not pretty, what's attractive, all of those things. For me, 
I literally went to work on me um, completely. I stopped drinking alcohol. I was writing lots and lots of um, lots of words. I was meditating. Um, I was listening to a lot of um, Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was really good for me at the time. And also um, Esther and Abraham Hicks. Yeah, I was listening to a lot of that. Yeah, I've listened to a lot of them as well. Like yeah, yeah. And it's um, yeah, and uh, kind of lately I've been listening to a lot of Gary Douglas. Um, and they've they've even, he's even got a book that um, would you teach a fish to climb a tree? And it's talking about kids that have got ADHD or yeah. um or autism or um all I of think, those. I think it's really cool where you said uh, about like the programming, and I just want people to know like if you aren't proactive and like consciously programming yourself, you're going to get programmed either way. Absolutely. So you might, might as well program it to what you want it to be or, you know, I mean, whatever you want it to think. Because it's one of them things where you're getting programmed, no matter, unless if you close your eyes and your ears and, and sleep your whole life, you're going to get programmed. So, Absolutely. Um, it, it might take a little bit more effort to start with, but the rewards are, are vastly, like, you know, yeah. out, outweigh... Um, because everything's trying to program you, though, like, you know, all marketing and advertising, its primary role is to wait, make you feel not enough so you buy that product which is supposed to make you feel enough. Like that's, that's, their, that's their goal. Absolutely. That's their one goal, right? So if that's their one goal and all we do is get bombarded by that with social, you know what I mean? Like, we're up against the odds. Like, we are. Like, you know, there's all that so, time. All the time. There's TV, there's radio, there's, you know, your phone, social media, whatever. Um, we're always up against things or entities or whatever trying to make us feel not enough so to combat that you need to program it with just as much time or with the higher intensity because that's how you can program faster to then be able to reprogram your mind so just do a quick take now how long do you spend on social media how long do you spend watching tv and put down the hours and you need to do that amount now or more to the new that amount to neutralize it and then more to then program it how you like it and that is a pretty scary figure. So yeah. the best way is to minimise the exposure to that, which, like you said, I'm the same. I don't watch TV. Uh, even my social media, I will try and only follow people that are putting up you know, inspirational, motivational or, or mindset kind of stuff. So my feed isn't this person whinging. You know, I normally give people like the three-strike rule if they have three very, very negative blah, blah, you know, posts, three in a row. I'll just delete it, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm, it's, um, it's nothing against them, but I just can't be having that on my feet all the time because I'm working on my program. I'm aware of yeah. my program. And go back to our childhood. <coughs> go back to our childhood. Like, who was on a phone? Like, kids are programmed now to pick up a, a phone. Like, I used to take my kids to dinner and would give them a phone because it would just – kids would get fed first by the time an adult got fed. It was just hard work to try and eat your dinner without having to chase a child out of a restaurant. And yeah. Do you know what I mean? So – well, I know my niece, I was visiting my nieces um, probably 12 months ago, a bit more ago, and she was able to get my phone with it locked, somehow got into it, so then an alarm went off, and when the alarm went off, it went off to, I'm sexy and I know, and I was walking through the shopping <laughs> centre, and it started going off, and I felt like the biggest idiot. I was like, how did she manage to do that? It's like amazing. She, yeah. So here's another thing. This is probably another thing I take away from my children. That they're here to teach us. We've already, as an adult, they've already been here over and over and over. That's what I, that's what I see. Yeah. And um, 
that they've we've been everything and everything, regardless of color, regardless of race, regardless of sex, regardless of whether you know we've been kind to everyone, regardless of whether we've hurt people, we've been everything and anything, right? That's what I see. Now, I look at my kids and think, what can I learn from you rather than what can I instill that's been like I look back to my great grandparents and imagine what did all those boy men go through. Mm. What trauma do they go through when they weren't allowed to talk? They weren't allowed, They just had to work, go to school. Like these kids would walk five miles to get to school, go to school, be programmed five miles back, then go and start doing work around the house, or whatever it w- may be, right? <coughs> but what I look at is my kids are here to teach me. So if I go to do something, they're like, no, 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 mum, do it this way. Instead of me going, no, this is the way we've always done it, mm. I'm like, let's do that. Let's try it this way. It's amazing what your kids can teach you. I ask my kids all the time, what else do you know? <coughs> yep. Tell me what else do you know? Just keep asking the question. Tell me tell me what's going on in your day and they'll start talking and say, what else do you know? What else do you know? What el- just keep asking the question. You'll be blown away by what comes in it. Not just my kids, any kids. Yeah. I held a conversation at a basketball training session with an 11-year-old boy whose parents tell him, I've never ever met him in my life, his parents tell him he talks too much, he engaged me in complete conversation. He was asking me questions. He was being responsive. He was answering my questions, asking me a question at the end of his, when he finished talking, he'd ask me another question. I'm like, these parents have got no idea. They've got an incredible communicator here who's probably going to make an incredible leader because he knows how to get the best out of people. He doesn't even really, he goes, no, I'm just told I just talk too much. I said, no, people that talk too much don't ask questions. But this kid asked me all about my history, was telling me about his basketball, telling me about his school, telling me, every, it just blew me away. And he was like, 11 or 9 he was he was young um so for me it's like what can what can we be taught by our kids and I was going to come to another point but it's gone so it doesn't doesn't matter um I think as parents it's easy for us to go well this is oh no that's <coughs> Anthony is going to love this so anyone that knows me knows Anthony and I are like best mates we've he was my nanny for a long time which was amazing or my in-home educator um and even when he finished working for us, he was just like so used to being in that environment. It just was simple for him to stay. He does his own thing. He goes and he works and he goes and takes photos. We're not in a relationship. However, we're best mates, mm. right? Now, he bought this thing called a toddy, right? So this is about – he's a coffee fanatic, right? <coughs> and the toddy is um, cold, cold brewed coffee. So you've got to do a certain thing to the coffee – with water and let's sit and then put more and then add more water and then do this. And it's got to be a third of this and a cup of that and this. And yep. then you'll let it sit for 12 to 24 hours, right? And then you can have your drink somewhere oh, between 12 and 24 hours. a long time hours. to have a coffee. Right? <laughs> so you got to kind of make it in advance. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, it takes a lot of the bitterness out. It's a very smooth coffee and it's a lot gentler on, obviously, on the gut, I would imagine. Anyway, he said to me, and this is when I heard this, I'm like, I'm going to buck the system real bad here. Because he said to me... Um, I asked him a question, could you make this in the toddy? Could you do it this way? And he said, they've been making this coffee like this for 67 years or since 19, it was a long time, right? 1967 maybe. It's been a long time. Mm. And he said, you think that would have perfected the art of it? So he does it to the T of what the instructions say. And I said to him, do you still take pho- like, do you still do photography and edit photos the same way you would have from 1967? He goes, we're talking about coffee. I said, we're talking about... <laughs> anything. Anything, <laughs> right? Yeah. So then I ended up, because I'm always like trying to do more, so it's done. So I've done four instead of the one cup of coffee that you got to um, blend up. I've done four. 
And I thought, I'll do some and then I've got some there for the next. So when it's emptied, I can refill it. Yeah. Refill it and I don't have to keep blending up the coffee beans because you only let to blend it for 12 seconds, right? Anyway, I've gone, it's, it's meant to be a third of one cup and then you do this, put, put water, put a third of one cup and then you put three more cups of water and you got to let it sit for five minutes and then you put the rest, of, another, the rest of it in and then put another three cups of water and then that's it, you leave it. So I started doing it and because I'm doing things with the kids at the same time, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I had four cups of coffee in there, not one. And I've just done a third of what was actually in the thing because it was I would follow his instruction. Yeah, and I was like, ah, let's just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> let's just make it anyway. And at the end of um, after the process was done, um, I gave him a taste. Dry had his coffee the next morning. He has as like on oat milk, just cold. And he, I said oh, I was probably a bit stronger, so maybe weaken it down a little bit. Put just a third of the coffee in and add more milk. And he said, yeah, it tastes tastes amazing. And um, then I got Anthony to taste it. He goes, yeah, it tastes. I said, oh, does this taste normal for you? And he goes, what did you do? I said, oh, nothing. And he tastes it. He goes, yeah, it tastes really good. And I was like, ha-ha, <laughs> didn't say anything. Yeah. Right? But I <laughs> mucked around with the process. Mm. And that just took me to, and when I did say to him, by the way, you're 1967 or 67 years or whatever it may be, that coffee can just come up from anywhere because that's what I did. I actually stuffed it up. Um, so I think it's a big thing to for us to let go of, it doesn't matter what our parents used to do or our grandparents used to do or be open to listen to your kids or younger people and learn from them rather than think we've always got to be the teachers. Sometimes mm. we, we're here to be taught. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very there's – there's, there's one about the roast. Do you hear the one about the roast? And yes. they used to cut they used to cut the bone or something off all the time. They're like, oh, why did you used to? Oh, because my mum used to do it. And it was only because their ovens weren't big enough yeah. back then. <laughs> it's Absolutely. not because they the they chop both ends off of the meat and put it in. And yeah. when the question got asked, it was I don't know. Mum did it. And then when they asked the mum, she's like, oh, that's what my mum used to do. Yeah. And it's yeah. It's yeah. So <laughs> question question everything. Don't blind. And there was another good study where or study or, or experiment where they come in. And they were sitting in a waiting room, right? So one person come in and then like every time someone come in, the person would stand up and then sit back down. So then people come in and everyone would like stand up and then sit back down. And then and they kept going around. And by the end of it, none of them actually knew while they were standing up. They just, because the first before them did it and it was just an experiment to see, would you follow along with? It was so stupid. Why stand up when someone else walks in the room? Absolutely. Like, but we're just so programmed. We're very herd mentality. That's what I was um, going to say before. We were, yes. So... We, w- we don't want to be an outcast. And so that was for our survival, right? We had to fit in with our community. We had to fit in with our tribe for survival. So that's part of like, who we are. But today we don't really need to um, to survive. Like We don't need to fit in those like, you know, 7 billion people. But we, go, we can find our own kind. We don't have to like stick to our own little community. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so, yeah, that herd mentality uh, can work in our favour. Or, you know, like I said, if you hang around with people that are more successful, uh, you will then get them traits because that, you know, use that herd mentality as a, uh, as an advancement, as a, to better yourself instead of to use it in a negative. So, you know, instead of hanging out with people that are drinking all the time or going out or, or whatever the negative habit or negative attributes that you have, don't hang out with them type of people because, you know, I mean, the same as anything, you can use it for negative or you can use it for positive. So yeah. use that herd mentality that's already installed into us for survival to your benefit. Yeah. And another thing um, I want to touch on, because you said don't go out and do this, don't go and do that. If you do go and do something, stop beating yourself up over it. Just go, oh, well. Like my favourite two, wo- two words is, oh, well. Oh, well. 
Like, do you know what I mean? It, it doesn't matter. I, I didn't have the dinner on the table at a certain time. Oh, well, we were busy doing something else. Oh, well, don't worry about it. Mm. Oh, wait, this isn't done or that's not done or you you have to go and do this. Oh, well, it doesn't feel right for me. So, oh, well. Do you know what I mean? St- we live a life where we let everybody else's expectations of us rule how we sub- how we function. Let it go. Just, oh, well, no, that, that does not feel right for me right now. I'm... Yep. Choose something different. What can you choose in the next 10 seconds? Being able to stop and go, you know, in this 10 seconds, you know, maybe yesterday I would have thought I won't bring my kids, right? But before it was time to leave, I was like, in this 10 seconds, yeah, I'll just bring them. I know it'll work out. However it's meant to pan out, will pan out. Everything will be fine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So some kids have gone to, with mum and dad, gone shopping, and some have come with me. I don't have stacks. So it's not like we've got a footy team, but I'm not far <laughs> <laughs> um, No. Okay, look, I, I love the fact that we've dove straight into this type because this is the way that we generally talk we, and we're very passionate about mental health and, you know, psychology and, you know, well-being and all things, you know, that nature. But I still want to go back and touch on Sharon. Who is Sharon? Tell me about Sharon growing up. Tell me a little bit about so then people know uh, know about you and who you are, what you've been through, what you've done and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, so I've got. Um, I grew up with three brothers, um, Danny. I'll go up from. So I'm the youngest, and Danny, then Brian, then Richard. Um, they're all incredible men. Do we always see eye to eye? Absolutely not. Doesn't matter. Oh well, everyone's different, and it's. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm just going to say quickly as well. Sometimes you, you may be regarded as the black sheep. Before, out of four of us, I think all four of us think we are the black sheep <laughs> of the family. There is no black sheep. Everyone is different. You're here to learn. You don't have to love it, like it, agree with it. It doesn't matter. Um, but I grew up with um, three brothers and I learned to fight pretty quickly because, mm. you know, siblings argue. They fight. They, I want this. No, I want that. I want to do this. No, I want that. Um, I've done karate from, oh, I remember standing at the back of a karate class when I was probably five and in a skirt and a shirt looking all pretty for school and I was trying to kick and punch and everything else and yeah. that kind of started that journey. <coughs> um, I lived, I was um, born in Geelong in Victoria. I was, I spent a lot of my time around the Latrobe Valley so I was um, what we call a Maui girl. So they were branded What's as... What's that? Well, they would brand you as moccasin wearing. I'm like, I didn't have moccasins. Do you know what I mean? Uh, or it would be flannel shirts. Everyone wears flannel shirts. Now it's like a, a statement. Yeah. A flannel shirt's so a statement. So would I be correct in saying like Bogan would be... Yeah. Okay. But every small town's a Bogan. doesn't matter which small town it is. <laughs> yeah. You're driving and go, oh, this must be Bogan town. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, my mum, it's really funny because I did this um, in one of the NLP programs that I've done. I've done, trust me, I've done, I've done NLP. I've done hypnotherapy. I've learned everything. Like everything. Like how... how or to unfuck myself, literally unfuck mm. with my brain. When I took over the point of no, I run my brain. My brain doesn't run me anymore. I run my brain. That fucking transformed everything. And mm. I'll say, look, I'm that convicted that I just realise no, I can control whatever thoughts are going on. I can say that's bullshit. Yeah, out you go. Oh, I'm going to choose this thought. Like, what do I choose in this ten seconds? Um, mm. But it's oh yeah, I'm pretty sure like you were from Joe Dispenza. So by the time you're 35, 95 percent of your thoughts are repetitive and the same thing every day on autopilot. Absolutely. Yeah, we have between sixty and seventy thousand thoughts a day. So ninety five percent of that, you know, I mean, do the math. So you're having like sixty th- or you know sixty thousand bucket loads of the same thoughts over and over, which is just reinforcing that same program over and over again. 
So And I'm gonna ask you a question. Are most of those thoughts yours or do they belong to someone else? Why well, are any of your thoughts yours? Well, pretty much not. We're gonna go into the mystical now, aren't we? <laughs> well we could. We might lose some people though. <laughs> yeah. But realistically, yeah. because of everything you see around we see around us. And everything we're when we're either at school or playing sports or growing up around our you know at, in our homes, all of the things that you hear become a part of your thought. Mm. I can't afford that. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too slow. I'm not I'm not smart enough. So many of those things that may have been programmed from school or home or you know just watching a movie, it's huge. Um, but I'll go back to. So I, I did this did in one of the many many I've spent over two hundred fifty thousand. Um, dollars in personal development in my whole lifetime. Like I've, I've gone pretty hard because I just wanted to, I just wanted to be great and I wanted to help people and I wanted to make a difference. Like I just, I actually fucking love everyone. Yeah. I literally, I can just walk up to a complete stranger and wrap my arms around them and just hold them and just say, I love you and just walk away. Right. And I don't know how many people can say that because a lot of people can't love themselves enough. To be able to go and love somebody else they don't know, we go straight into judgment. But it's an incredible thing. So here's some here's something else that's really incredible that you can try if you think you're having a shitty day. Go up to one of the ladies or the men that clean the shopping centres or the sporting areas or that have got to clean up everybody's toiletness and everything else in the shops, and go and just say to them, "Thank you, thank you for just making this place so clean that we've got we feel good when we come here." Because that will blow you away. I would go and buy flowers and find one that just looks like they're broken and just give them flowers. And it's amazing when I'm with Willie because he's the love bug. Yeah. He just stops and he just grabs someone and he just starts cuddling them. And it's just amazing. And they're like, oh, my God, I just needed that. A lot of them are more uh, are older ladies than men, mm. right? And he just – and one could be rude like, what are you doing? And all of a sudden they just fall into a cuddle with him. And it's like, wow, most of these people don't even get hugged. Mm. Right, so if you are in a family, start hugging each other more. It's amazing. Hug your friends. Hug anyone. Mm. Um, some people might go, "Oh no, their energy and your energy, and something might happen." And if it feels like, go and hug them. Literally, if it feels heavy, don't. But if it feels like, hug them. Um, but I did this thing where you had to go and kind of look. My mum has been the strongest woman woman I've ever known. Right, like just an amazing woman. What she's gone through in all of her life, and I. We kind of judge who we love the most first. So you had to do, right, who do you think is holding you back based on what they do and who do you look up to the most that you'd want to be like? Mm. Um, so I had Oprah Winfrey and my mum. And I don't know why I thought at the time my mum was holding me back, maybe because I thought, is she getting softer because she's getting older? I know she literally just didn't give a fuck anymore because the older you get, the more you realise it's all bullshit anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But so, and you had to stack. So I had to write all these words that made me think of my mum all the way to the top about, you know, what her journey is, what she's here for, all of that stuff, right? And hers was, my mum was always to, her role in life has always been to be the best mother and grandmother she could be, to make sure all her kids were always fed, clothed, loved, someone was always at home for them, amazing. And then when I did Oprah Winfrey and stacked hers, she wanted to be the, exactly the same as my mum just wanted to impact a lot more people. Mm. My mum did. My mum was already impacting other people anyway, but her her mission was let me get my kids into a beautiful space, right? And I soon realised that it doesn't matter who we look at, if we take away judgment, most people are here to do incredible things yep. or to leave a legacy of some sort. And if that legacy starts with just being a beautiful, kind, loving parent, 
that's huge or a beautiful kind loving partner do you know what i mean that's that's massive um so yeah i think we were sport a lot by my mum with lots of incredible home cooked meals and stuff like that i i started training at such a young age and i just progressed from i went from karate into kickboxing into like touch contact kickboxing into full contact kickboxing into muay thai and i i didn't progress because i thought i i can go and jump to this now i just ran out of people to compete against and I was like, oh, shit, that doesn't work. So yeah. in karate, I ended up, you know, if I went in and signed up, 30 other women would take their name off the list and they would come out. So I was like, well, then I'll go into the men's black belt division because I was a black belt. Yeah. Um, by now, I'm probably 18, 17, 18. And I've been competing since I was like five. Um, so in, I would go into the men's and I was like, now it's going to be me. And it was always me and two of my brothers fighting off for first, second and third place in the I'm like, well, this is no fun. I fight with him at home every day. What's next? Like, what else can I do? And that's when touch contact kickboxing came to Australia. My dad was a part of bringing that in. Um, so I did that. And that was with a n- nice big bright yellow foot pads and everything. Then so what's f- cu- uh, touch contact? So it's more of the Waco-styled um, kickboxing. So it's like, it's fast, and but you don't hit as hard. It's more points. Like, but the more times you can kick someone rather than trying to knock them out. So it was all very much point scoring. Yeah. Whereas... Full contact kickboxing is we want to take out the leg or we want to break a rib or yeah, we want to yeah. actually drop them hurt, on there. Want to hurt them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was Muay Thai, which means you can elbow, you, you can knee and elbow them as well. So that was fun. Yeah. Um, I think I just kind of, um, and then I, when I was meant to go to Japan and compete for a world title in Muay Thai, um, I'd had to send a, a fight tape over with previous fights and the girl pulled out and we had a whole gym full of, people because Joe Bugner, the heavyweight um, world champion boxer who fought Muhammad Ali twice, he was fighting um, and so he was training out of our gym. So he had we had all the press there. He was there doing his training. We had all the press because we went to fly out within the next two days and Dad's got a phone call and it was the promoter saying, our girl's not going to fight your girl. Dad said, well, don't worry. He said, she's retired. She's not going to fight her. Your girl's too strong. And Dad said, no, don't worry. Just find someone else. He goes, no, no, you don't understand. Your daughter's not welcome in our country to kickbox or Muay Thai, she's not welcome. So we'll just put this fight to sleep. Yeah. And then Dad's got a whole – we've got a gym. He didn't want to tell me. There's a whole gym full of you know, Channel 9, Channel 7, all Gold Coast. And he said to Joe, look, what am I going to do? And he said, well, can she keep her feet on the floor? And he said, oh, <laughs> she doesn't listen to me for anything, which, trust me, parents, all kids do it, mm. right? We don't always listen, but we do We do here. Um, and Joe said, well, just put her on my show. She can box. Just get to keep her feet on the floor. She can already hit hard, hit well. Just And that was kind of my progression into um, the boxing <coughs> world. And that's kind of how that took off. And then I ended up – and I, I, I said from the age of 13 – Sounds like we've got pretty similar experience in boxing. Why a couple of fights to your, what, how many? 200 or something? I've been wanting to <laughs> kick your ass for so long. <laughs> It's not gonna happen. So he, not gonna I, let me tell the, not let me tell the audience a story because we like we like talking in GIF a lot on um, on Messenger, don't we? We like yeah. to send them pictures, and we like I know we're just laughing a lot. Um, but I remember when um, Ryan was at my place and he was showing the kids how to kind of backflip, and the rocks were kind of over here, and the pool was kind of like uh, that far away. I don't know where the camera is, but like that far away, maybe f- would be further. And um, I said to him, Ryan. Like, and I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, oh my God, that's getting further and further away. And it was him doing it. And you know what he said to me? And it was so powerful. He said, don't you dare fucking tell me I can't do something. I already know I can because you're going to make me doubt myself and then there's going to be an accident. I was like, absolutely. And that was the biggest wake up call for me that even if my kids think I can do this, if I go, no, 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 I'm putting the fear into them. Mm. 
Right, and we were always putting the, the lights need to be left on, this needs to be done, this needs to be done. Willie is my example of we wake, we, when we were born, we were born with two fears, loud noises and being dropped. Yeah. That's it. Because Willie can go into a dark room and sit there and be completely content. And all the boys are like, oh, my God, he's in the dark web. There's a spider. And Willie's like, he doesn't care about the spider. He'll go and look for him. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable what what can happen from perception of what we think. So um, I don't even know what I was talking about. Off with the butterflies, hey. Anyway, yeah, so back, to, so back to your fighting career. So there, yeah. So, but to then you went to boxing then. Yeah. Uh, so w- when was your first boxing fight? Oh, I don't. Oh, seriously, going to ask for dates and stuff? No, I not think, really. Just no. Like I had. I think I was about twenty-seven. So anyone that's told that you can only be successful in sport when you're young, I become a world champion at the age of thirty-five. I fell pregnant at the age of thirty-seven. I defended my world title. Now, it wasn't just any world. Actually, I probably won a world title a bit earlier than that. Um, but the WBC, which is like the, the big green belt, Muhammad Ali, um, Lennox Lewis, um, you know, Costa Zoo, all of those for, for the big green belt. Yeah. That was like, I remember having an argument with my dad. I was going to run you back really quickly because that's what I remember. And he's telling me I've got to do my homework. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to do, I don't need Pythagoras theorem. I don't need to understand that because it's, to me, it just made no sense. And I, I just said to him, I don't need this to count money because that's kind of what we do with maths. Like how many people have gone and done all this study on maths and, you know, unless you're an engineer or something or you're creating yeah. an arch- architecture, how many people have gone to use all those figures and understand that? And I can guarantee they probably still use a calculator and a ruler. So will all the numbers match up? Yeah. Anyway, Dad says, well, what on earth are you going to be when you grow up then if you don't do your schoolwork? And I was like, well, I just want to be the best in the world. And he said, at what? And I said, oh, I don't know, but I think my fists are going to get me there. And I just remember looking at him going, hmm, maybe they will. And that was our journey of, so I become the best in the world in karate, then I become the best in the world at um, kickboxing, then I moved to boxing. So for me it was always about just being the best. And I think it was also the biggest message I wanted to give out was to so many women and girls out there that we're not all ballerinas. Mind you, they did put ballerina wallpaper on my bedroom when I was young. Maybe that's what fucked me up because <laughs> I was like, man, <laughs> what? Oh, my brothers, if you're, if you feel like you're a tomboy, it is normal. Like, and I'm not going to, I'm not here to offend or upset anybody if they feel they need to have something different in their body. But when you're young and you're a girl and you've got brothers, you just want to be like your brothers and your dad is normally your closest contact. So you kind of want to be like him. So most girls are tomboys until we kind of get to about 17, 18 and then we probably take on our bodies a bit more and realise we we love being women and we love makeup and we love all the other things. Um, so if anyone's a bit confused about gender um you know, identity and all that kind of thing. It is normal to want to kick a ball, chase your brothers, play cricket, all that kind of thing. It doesn't mean that you need to change who you are. So if that can help in any way with anyone that might be struggling with that because there's so much of that out there right now. Mm. Um, If you have made some changes, that's, you know, if it feels like for you, amazing. You know, I'm just saying we all go through stages as we grow up that we're kind of ignoring a lot in the, in the, like what's going on in the media and in schools and everything right now. Um, you know, even for me to get a letter from um, from Medicare to say my 14-year-old twins are no longer uh, under my medical decision. They're, they're now under their own. They can make all their own choices at, f- at 14. Yeah, but they can't 
drink alcohol or they can't do. I can't mean, drive like, a car. Well, they can. We've taught them how to drive a car, but shh, don't tell yeah. them. <laughs> but there's so many things you can't do, but you can ch- make all your own decisions about what you can do medically or whether you stay in the body you're in or you do something different anyway. So, but I, I won't go there. That could be maybe another conversation one day. But, um, yeah, I just, I remember I, all I just, I just want to be the best in the world. And I was already fighting with my brothers. It was like I'd fight just to get to the first bit of roast pork crackle. Do you know what I mean? So they wouldn't That's get it off. That's a tough task with three rollers, eh? <laughs> if you didn't sit down quick enough, they'd already be eaten off your plate. So, um, you know, I will always, regardless of where the journey is um, in, in my life, I'm I'm so grateful to my brothers and I love them all so much because they helped instill in me like they um, they beat me up, they picked on me. They, I remember all the things they used to do. They, they were brothers. They were protective. They were caring. They were crazy. Um, and I look at everything. Sometimes we can look at whatever's happened to us when we're young and go, oh my God, because of this, I'm, f- uh, this is how I am now. And I'm struggling emotionally and I can't do this and I can't do that. And I just kind of completely reversed it and thought, I'm, I'm going to thank my brothers and my parents for everything they did that was amazing. Mm. I'm going to thank them for everything they did that was fucking horrible or hard. Um, because it's all about learning and understanding and playing life as you can. But if I thank them for everything that got done and everybody else that's ever hurt me in my life, I thank them for it. Because if I hadn't been hurt and I hadn't gone through pain, I hadn't had to dig through some things, would I have been able to be the best in the world as the best fighter in the world? Like, would I have had the tenacity to just stay in there and keep going no matter how much it hurt? The partners I'd had, like, when you go from blaming and feeling like you're a victim to thanking people for giving you a gift to know... Like I remember ringing up one boyfriend just saying, thank you so much. I know that we're not together. I just want to say thank you because I broke it off with him. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, why would you be thanking me? I said, because you just helped me learn so much more about myself and what I do or don't want in my life. Mm. And that is a massive gift. And I'll forever, forever, forever be grateful for that. Do you know what I mean? Like we look at things like, oh, my God. And the other side to that too uh, that I think is really powerful is not only are you flipping the script for you and – healing yourself and you know you, you then you go through that forgiveness of, of that other person as well and that's healing you but i can guarantee you 100 percent he got some healing as well yeah. from hearing that so you're kind of healing two people at once i didn't I mean? do that on purpose so i wasn't thinking of healing i know him. but that's what i'm saying but i'm saying that that's the another added benefit of doing it is you know we are doing do it for yourself because you want to be able to heal yourself but I've, i'm Sure, there's on some level he'll have some guilt around whatever, and just hearing that from you would have then gone, could would have helped him yeah. on his journey on his on his life as well. I think it's I think it's um it really important because as you know my brothers talk about um, other girls of their friends and girlfriends and stuff, and the things they do and say, and I'm like wh- when we're girls, like when we're fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, we all need to be loved because we've never been loved enough. We have by our parents, but we haven't looked at it that way. And then we haven't loved ourselves enough because we've been programmed so many ways, right? And I say to them, doesn't matter who of you get a girlfriend, unless you help give them that space of thank you for the gift of learning something, like it's not, it's never going to change. Because uh, as women, we are needy. We need, cause, probably because we don't love ourselves that much. I'm totally different now. I do not care. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But when we're young, we feel that we're kind of, driven into this picture of, you know, you're going to find a man, you're going to fall in love and it's a, you know, it's your prince charming and all this bullshit. And it's, it's not always that, right? But it's okay. 
And if things aren't working out, well, instead of thinking, you know, for me even – my parents have been in together all their, like, I think my mum was 17 or 18 when she met my dad, mm. you know, and they're now in their 70s. They've gone through a lot of shit. It wasn't like holding hands and roses and everything it was amazing. They've gone through some big things, right? And I'm forever grateful they've stayed together um, as much as they still drive each other nuts, but they love each other, right? And mm. they one can't sleep if the other one's not there. And But I That's said... That's pretty cute, that 70 years I old. know. <laughs> But I, I set the trajectory of what a relationship was meant to look like based on what I seen from my parents. Yeah, as we do. That's yeah. that's not me. We're not all we, we're not all that, right? Mm. And if you, whatever happens in your relationship, go to a space of looking for what you can be grateful for, what what you can learn from it, and if whatever's happened is it the person you really want to be with anyway. Um, same thing with your work. It doesn't really matter. But sometimes as women, we get to a point of, I can't survive. And some men are the same. Like oh, they want to commit suicide after a relationship breaking up because they think that's the be all and end all because mm. of whatever they've been programmed of what a relationship should look like. So I think um, like when we're talking about programming and stuff and like who we are, and I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, who am I? Like, you know, and you say like we've got all this programming and, a lot of times it's not about, um, like I know it's great to, to learn and grow and, and, and get the knowledge, but sometimes just take away all the things that you are not, you know what I mean? Like Oh I think my gosh, that's so well said. Because, yeah, we're always trying to you know, gain more, but sometimes less is more. Like, you know, start getting rid of the things that you know um, that aren't you and then what will, well, in, in sequence, you'll just be left with yep. who you are. Yeah. Right? Um, so try not to add, the, I can't think of the, there's a good phrase to finish that off, but anyway. I'll it'll it'll come. Later. Yeah. It'll later. come. Yeah. And that's where probably staying in the question and then writing more of those, w- those words and just having more belief of who you are because we get painted pictures by so many people. You know, if, even for me, when I fell pregnant with the twins, oh my gosh, it was in a tumultuous relationship. I'd already left. I'd been training with the Titans and Billy Johnson for three nearly three months. Um, I was getting ready to have one of the biggest. I had a whole new management team around me. It was probably going to be the biggest like year of my life in competing. And I'm pregnant with twins. I'm like nine weeks pregnant, right? And I'm like, shit. <laughs> and then, you know, that dreaded question, well, are you sure they're mine? I'm like, you're the only person I've actually slept with at all in however long. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. whatever. But it's like I had to then reprogram who I was because I've been this world champion athlete and someone that just I trained I showed up I spoke on radios I just wanted to empower more women and more more girls to think outside the box and not feel like that's the ballerina wallpaper not think that just because somebody else has been this you can be anything you want to be it doesn't have to be within the normal of what everyone thinks it has to be do you know what I mean you yep. d- it, if you're passionate about flowers, go and do something with flowers. Don't worry about becoming the doctor because something else is going to light you up. Think of what feels light or heavy. Mm. Do you know and what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that's – we need to change – like, obviously, you need to change the children, but the parents need to change first to then change the children. Does that make sense? So parenting is a big thing, and uh, I'm not a parent myself, so it's really hard for me to talk about it. But I feel like, um, yeah – like you're saying, you got to let your kids give them more freedom. I think we're boxing them in, um, boxing them with the school, the school boxes them in, and everything about society is trying to 
pigeonhole them into this certain thing and and they're so losing they their individuality they're they losing stand in line and everything that you know what, what a kid is you, you let a kid do what he wants and he is free like yeah. you know everything's magical mystical you know what i mean like instead of and then it's like no no no, no. like come here like and i feel like as parents we need to do a lot more of you know let them climb the monkey bars. They fall off and hurt their arm. Who gives a fuck? I know you think you're doing the right thing by saying, no, you could hurt yourself, but then that's how kids learn. Like, I mean, they need to be able to climb and, and know that there's danger. And if they do fall, you know what? Guess what? We all fall down in life, you know? Absolutely. Like, that's not the worst thing in the world. Actually, that's <coughs> probably one of the better, like you said, it by falling down and, and failing, that it teaches you and, and you grow and you develop the mechanisms and the um, the coping mechanisms to, to get through whatever it is that you get through. You're always levelling up. And I think a lot of kids are getting bubble wrapped now and then when they get into the real world, they're like, I don't know how to deal with anything because my parents have just... Yep. Um, I, and I'm going to I'm gonna share two things on that. You just said, I don't have kids, so I'm probably not a great person to speak about this. You are one of the pe- people that taught me. Like, I chose you to be uh, an uncle to my kids. Do you remember? Like, I just... There was a couple of years that we were all in a program together. Yeah. Um, but you were like one of my first choices because you're free. You're you, like you you take risks. You just do things that are fun. You're always traveling. You you know like you're you just the to me it, that's what life should be, right? Now I know you've still got to work and make money and everything else, but when you can, you do all the things that you can that gives brings you joy. Mm. You were the main one that taught me to let it go. If they're going to backflip from something and they have any doubt or they're going to do this or have any doubt, then that's going to cause more harm than you just saying, you've got this, you've got this, you've got this. Yep. Do you know what I mean? So you taught me to let things go. I remember they were jumping from stairs onto a big mat. That's down, right. Because like, you're crazy, right? <laughs> but I'm crazy too. And I'm like, I just had to stop and go, even Willie, if Willie wants to do something, I'm like, Willie, Willie, no, no, no. He just, mum, stop. I'm a big boy. Mm. I'm a big boy and I'm like because Willie to me emotionally is probably about five right but he can ram half his brothers over if he wants to get to something they can't hold him back (laughs) like he's so strong right and he just wants to be um listened to and a part of the communication and he do you know what I mean so it's it's a massive lesson so one you are an incredible person to talk about kids because you show kids no fear Right, and it's not no fear in a crazy thing. You had when you said to me, I've calculated the distance, the height of the rocks, where the water is, where we've got to jump to, and I've gone all the way around Japan. I've calculated everything in my mind where the safest place for them to jump from is. This is it. So, if they're going to learn how to get out of their comfort zone and do something a bit risky, this is where we're starting, yeah. right? And then as that day progressed, they were going further and further and higher and higher and higher, yeah. So, that's that's huge. Um, and I think. Um, it's so easy for us to be so busy. Oh, now I've got to get home. I've got, I've got to go to work. Now I've got to get home, do um, homework, and then I've got to get dinner cooked, and then I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. Rather than being able to come home, stop, and go, tell me about your day. What else do you know? Tell me what else happened, and why did that happen? You know, there's so many kids committing suicide because, and I'm not saying it's because the parents aren't listening, but it's because there's so much shit going on. So when we talk about parenting first, parents have to unfuck themselves mm. because kids... We all learn based on, you know, I had a, another mum approach me and say, I'm really worried because I'm constantly, you know, beating myself up for how I look and my daughter's starting to do the same and she's seven. Fuck, right? seven. And, like, what do you do? That's one of Lead many. Lead by example. That's you know one of I mean? many. That's, yeah. 
Right. Kids always do what you do, not what you say, you know, and that's, I think there's a lot of misalignment. Um, you know, your kids, your parents say, oh, you can't do this. And meanwhile, they, you know, can't eat that cake or they eating the cake, you know, like, well, yeah. that's not going to work. And even, even if you try and hide it from, I think at an energetic level, they will still feel like, you know, I mean, you need to be, kids are so sensitive to alignment you know what i mean this oh they can tell everything everything you know so you you think you're outsmarting them by you know i don't do this or whatever like no you need to be in alignment and then they will follow that absolutely yeah. absolutely and here's another thing you can always change the trajectory of your course doesn't matter what you're doing now you mm. can always go oh, this is what i'd like to do now this is what i'd like to do now this is what i'd like to do now doesn't always have to be the same we feel like we're always stuck in this one spot this one thing this one way this one parenting program this mm. one working program this one relationship program this one i'm not saying go out and do the wrong thing it is crazy like because i know um so i just turned 28 Della, nah, 38 Della day. <laughs> 38 uh the other day and i was talking to this girl um and she was 26 i think and she was going on about how she's so far behind in life because COVID and it slowed her career down. And I'm like, you're 26, like, you know what I mean? Like, I think people, yeah, like you said, they put so much, and society's doing this, they put so much pressure on people to be and have a certain amount of things by us, you know? And I was like, you're 26, go travel, like, go f do whatever. Yeah. Like, don't worry about that other stuff. Um and, yeah, it was just crazy to hear, like, she was very, like, almost distraught about it too. Like, you know, it was like a big, you know, she was ruminated just going on and on about it. Like, I'm just like, wow, like, um, I think people just need to learn to let go of um, this idea of you have to have certain, it's okay to get married at 40 or whatever, have yep. kids, you know what I mean? I think Absolutely. I know, um, obviously, women have a body clock so they've got to have kids by a certain time but that's probably the only thing that you have to do by a certain time you know what i mean um everything else was it colonel sanders bloody created kfc when he was 67 like Absolutely. you know what i mean like so yeah don't think it's ever too late and, and I, I i'm no different i fall into that trap like sometimes i think to myself Fuck, you know i'm 38 now i don't have any kids um you know my business isn't where i, where I would like it to be and do that comparison thing and I've got to catch myself and just go, nah, this is my journey. Yeah. This is, you know what I mean? And just sort of, you know, keep doing what I know that I that I love doing. You know, just keep helping people. Uh, and don't don't worry about the success as in like, um, you know, I'm not successful enough. I'm not reaching enough people. But the people that I do help, just do the best you can with them people. And then just, you know, that's all you can do. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I love that you've shared that part because I think what's really important is you've got to start to understand you're not your bank account. Right? Yeah. Everyone kind of connects to because we see all this stuff in you know on social media and in the in on TV and you know some of the people that we've looked up to for so many years because they've made it to the millions and whatever else they're probably not really the people you think they are anyway. Mm. Um, and there's no more. there's no correlation with maybe uh, more, ha happiness um, as too sick to money like they've already proven that in numerous and numerous studies and people say oh if i just had more money you know i'd be happier but no more money becomes more problems becomes yep. more you know what i mean it's just happiness being in a space of um gratitude and joy 
um, and being in that space, that mm. will bring more. Because when you're in a lower, you know, a, a more of a lower frequency of anything else, that kind of deters. You just get more of whatever shit you're dealing with energetically. Mm. So even if you're struggling with anxiety and depression and, you know, any, any of those or worse, um, instead of thinking, you know, I'm, I'm making this money or I'm beautiful or I'm rich or I'm thin or whatever, just start thinking with, um, you know, what can I be grateful for today? What can I be grateful for? Have you got? And it could just be that the fact that you can pick up a pen and write because you, all, all your fingers work. You know what I mean? It could be you only have three fingers, but you can still pick up a pen. It could be you mm. can pick up pencils and colouring because you don't know how to write. Who fucking cares at the end of the day? Yeah, gratitude is something that I found is really, it's a real good way to get in the present. Because if you're Absolutely. constantly grateful for every little thing that's going on, like your fingers, like if you're writing or talking, like, and it's, it really helps with awareness because the hardest thing is, is a lot of time we know we should be programming or thinking certain things or whatever, but we d- we lack the the constant focus of that awareness and to grow that awareness. That's why meditation is so good because you're forcing yourself to come back to that p- present moment to bring the awareness back, bring the awareness back, and you want to get to a point where, uh, you know, if you like a Buddhist monk, where that day twenty four is awareness, like they can the whole twenty four hours of that day is conscious awareness, and that's yeah. like, you know, I don't expect anyone to to get to that level, but that's what we should be striving for is less of the uh, unconscious running the show and more of the conscious running the show through presence and gratitude is one of the yep. best ways to do that. And I, and I want to share something else as well. Like um, you and I have done a lot with when it comes to gratitude. Um, I want to share something else as well. Like if we just, everyone that's listening to this call, doesn't matter live or recorded or 10 years down the track, wherever you are, even us, just stop and take a really nice big deep breath. Breathe in and then... Breathe out and let your shoulders relax. And take another deep breath. Breathe it in. And breathe it out. I can imagine. I just felt really relaxed then. Yeah, me too. And, and did you know, I noticed my face. Like, my face went from tense to just, like, it just sort of, I don't know, but yeah, my relaxed, face was melting. Really melting <laughs> yeah, mine too. And yeah. it's, it's really interesting because... Um, when we don't slow down because everything's so fast now, like we're distracted by so many things, there's so much going on, there's so many things we've got to get, get kids to, parents to, whatever it is, right? Um, so many commitments that we make because we want to be successful. Like, fuck all that. If success meant becoming really present and slowing down, taking a deep breath, now I'm going to ask all those people out there that are smokers, right? It's natural for us to be able to relax by breathing in deep and exhaling deep, Right? Now, mm. most people smoke and you say, why do you smoke? It's not because they love the taste of it. Most people will say, because I love the feel of all the air going into my body and coming back out. So imagine if before cigarettes got put in our hands, imagine if we learned how to do some deep breathing and some meditation, right, at mm. a younger age. And you had that same feeling, but you didn't have to put anything into your body. Mm. Right now, there's been a lot of stuff. So I've um, looked into a couple of other programs, literally about things that we're programmed on. So even when we, you know, I'm going to talk about milk, right? Cow's milk. Now, whether you have it or you don't, I'm, I don't mind. It's your choice, your life. I don't mind. Um, but when the original slogans 
Right. So she went on smoking and also on milk. When the original slogan started, it was like, it would say milk, good for you. Like you've got milk, good for you. But the more the slogan kept going, it turned to milk, good for you. As in milk is good for you. Mm. Right. So we started to program people, right, on milk. Now, I'm not going to say whether you should or shouldn't drink it. I choose other options. My kids will drink normal milk. They'll drink um, alternative milks. I do notice some changes in what happens with their bodies when they drink <coughs> normal milk. Now, also with smoking, back 70, 80, 150, I don't know how long, when smoking came out, women didn't even like the smell of it. So they d- would, wouldn't want a partner that was smoking. So what they started to do to market to women was start to do those, um, like the um, ads where it would be, the woman in the tied-up shirt with half the cleavage hanging out, the short shirts and a cigarette in her hand, like, you know, look how cool I am. Mm. So other women are like, oh, my God, if she's being cool, look how pretty she is and I want to be pretty like her, that's how they're getting us all the time. Yeah. Right. So just be mindful. There's a lot of stuff that happens in marketing. You know, I'm glad I don't live in America. I don't watch normal TV. When I was in America, um, every ad was from a ph- pharmaceutical company on what medication you needed, if you had a runny nose or if you had a little cough or if you had, yeah. you were a little bit depressed. When your body's got the best, you know, fighting defences against anything, you know, your body's an amazing um, mechanism for, you know, you can heal itself and yeah. you don't need any of that, you know, before pharmaceuticals come around 100 years ago, people were fine, you know, they heal themselves through natural means and, you know, obviously we've come a long way when it comes to acute Stuff like you know, broken leg and you know, absolutely, yeah, um, like cutting cancers out. Like I, I think the medical industry and the pharmaceutical like have done well there. But when it comes to stuff like health, I think they totally miss the mark, and it's more about the money than than your health. And that's really unfortunate. Um, even when you go to a doctor, you know, like oh, what's going on? Oh, yeah, well, he's a he's here uh, heart medication. Oh, how about just go for a fucking run, eat some good food? You know what I mean? Like, what, why is there absolutely. a pill when you should? You, you know you're doing the wrong thing. Like. And if, if anyone's in that space, because um, I also um, understood that our gut is actually our first brain. When our gut isn't working, right, or our gut is not well, um, our brain doesn't work properly. My so gut must never be working then. Emotionally, <laughs> emotionally you're in that case. Emotionally, um, everything, like when you start looking more into the stomach lining and all that, I can send you a video that um, we did with a naturopath. He started talking about what's going on right under our stomach linings, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but if your gut is not clean or not healthy, then your thoughts aren't going to be either because everything gets filtered, right? So I'm not saying that those who've got trauma just need to clean their gut. It will definitely make a difference Mm. about what's going on and then starting to live more in the question of what else is possible. If you've gone through trauma, it's been fucking horrible and it's like ripping you apart. Imagine if you weren't strong and you weren't an incredible gift to this world, would you actually still be here? Right, mm. and I always say because for me, all my trauma got me to be the best of who I could be, because I was strong enough to withstand it, go through it, experience it, come out the other end, and still be grateful and love the people that created it. Mm. Right? Would you be willing to share any of your traumas with us today? Um, oh God, there's been quite a few, <laughs> but um, and I, I only ask because you know if we, you know, if there's something that you went through. And there's other people listening, and then I'd like to then ask you, like, what did you do that helped you through it that could then benefit other other people that might be going through or gone through similar things that you have gone through? Yeah. Um, okay, so I'll like pop it in a, a, a nutshell. I've gone through <coughs> a lot: rape, um, 
abusive. You know, my dad is an amazing man. My brothers are all amazing. When everybody gets alcohol in them, they become different people. So there's been, um, like, when I talk about abuse, it's never ever been sexual abuse, but it's, there's been physical abuse, mm. like being punched and hit and thrown into rooms or, um, yep. you know, ripped out of cars. Um, so I've gone through a lot of shit um, on a lot of ways. I won't go too deep into it because, again, um, I just, I'm really grateful because. I can tell you, if I didn't hadn't gone through all of that stuff when I was growing up, right? Um, I hadn't watched, you know, some of the stuff that my dad did to my mum or my mum. You know, they love each other, but they shit happened and it was always based around alcohol, right? Yeah. Um, but if I hadn't gone through all that, would I have been strong enough to push my body to be the best fighter in the world? First Australian woman to ever become a world champion in the boxing ring, to receive the first woman to ever receive the green belt, the WBC world title, would I have been strong enough? Uh, I don't think so. Mm. I'm, I truly believe that whatever the trauma is that we've gone through, if we take that trauma because we're still here and we go and share that with others who are going through that trauma, we then become their gift, mm. right? Write a book about what you've gone through and the fact that you're still here, right? Start looking to, at yourself in the mirror and realise that you're a gift to the world rather than something different realize that you've got the strength and the tenacity to withstand anything and mm. again if 99% of the thoughts aren't ours who the fuck do they belong to not us has been programmed fuck them off mm. right i know it's easy said but you're a gift if you've gone through anything that has just crippled you emotionally uh energetically just if you're still here and you haven't gone and committed suicide or whatever it may be there you've got a story to tell and there's other people that need your story as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they're going through things, don't they think they're the only ones. Yeah. And it's funny when you get everyone to a room and you say, what's your biggest fear? And it's funny, they all yell at the same thing. It's like, we're all so similar. And that can allow us to have a level of uh, compassion, I suppose, for other people too. You know, like a lot of times when people acting a certain way, we... We take things so, uh, and I realize I've done this a lot in the past, and I'm working on it now. We take things so fucking personally today. Like yeah, anyone does something, you're like, I, you take it on as you know something. That you it's, it's probably they've had a bad shit day, or you know their their mum could have died. You know, I mean, who knows? Um, it's really funny, and I've done that a lot in the dating world too. You know, like if you know whatever has gone on or whatever, and then I, I try to look to see what it is that I did and nine times out of ten it's they've just got their own shit going on and you know what I mean? It's so And you have to never be able you've to never been the fix it kind of person either, have you? Like, <laughs> well I'll go and stay there and try and help fix them and make them feel good. No, 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 never. Well that's not <laughs> our job by the way, people if because those of us that are very compassionate and Ryan and I are very very, very um two peas in a pod. You're not there to fix someone else. Get them to fix their shit and come back later. Trust me, if they're meant to be there, they will be. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, always go to work on you. Um, you do I cut you off or were you still going to say something else? Because I've got a little story that I want to share. There you go. So, um, we, didn't have a, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And, uh, like, um, my brothers and my dad weren't always monsters. We were just siblings and, you know, sometimes shit went pear-shaped. But, um... It's easy. F it's easy to look and go. Well, if you didn't do that, 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 and that, I would be this person. Fuck that. 
thank you for doing being this, 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 this and that to make me realise how strong I am, how amazing I am and what I don't do or don't want to be when I get older, right? Mm. But I was in primary school. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, and I had my most favourite dress in the whole wide world, even though I hardly ever wore dresses because I was more of a tomboy, but I had this most favourite dress and I hardly wore it. Therefore, it sat in the wardrobe all the time. It had this tiny little moth hole in it. I didn't know, right? Now, I had a, a friend at school that was having a birthday and I loved her. I thought she was amazing. I wasn't gay, by the way. I just thought she was amazing and she was my best friend and I would hold hands with her all day. didn't mean I wanted to become something different. Mm. didn't even know what I was, right? If somebody <laughs> said, would you marry her? I probably would have said yes because it would have made sense to me that I just wanted to spend all my time with her, right? Even though I'm not gay or I'm not saying you can or can't be gay. So I'm just trying to bring up more things as a kid that we might think, oh, that means I'm this when... Really, maybe I'm just me. But it was her birthday and I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't have the money to buy her a present. And um, I thought, what can I do? And um, it's really funny because I picked up my favourite dress that cost my mum a lot of money and I wrapped it up and I took it to school the next day and I give it to her. And two of the friends that were sitting with her said, oh, my God, you've given her a dress with moth holes in it. How old and ugly is this dress? Now, I'm like six. That's fucking traumatic. Yeah. Right? So when you talk about trauma, it doesn't always have to be trauma of something that's happened. You go right back and trauma starts just Mm. on how kids treat each other, which takes me to another point of do kids really need to be in school at such a young age when they don't even know how to um, deal with their own emotions rather than dealing with everybody else's and you are all these kids in one classroom that have all got different personalities, Yeah, right? Uh, anyway, I could fucking pull that system apart. Take me back to the coffee from 1967, been doing it the same way. Yeah. Our school <laughs> curriculum hasn't changed in hundreds, over a hundred years. And we're still slamming the same stuff. So, oh, no, we're not. We're probably giving them more, um, more connection to sexuality and stuff at a really young age and crazy shit that, thank fuck my kids aren't in school. Um, but... Trauma is all those, when you think you're being kind and it gets kicked back in your face, that makes you feel like you're not enough. So that, when I kind of look back now, I'm like, that led me to a point of, um, I've always got to buy something new. It's always got to be good. So when I first took my kids, because Tyler had made a mess five years ago, four years ago, of his shirt, we we were meant to be going out for dinner, I'm like, oh, my God, I can't take you to dinner dressed like that. I've got to find you something else. And it's a Sunday afternoon. Nothing's open, right? And then I looked and I was like, oh, there's a lifeline. And Tyler goes, let's just go in there. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I, I, look, I wouldn't buy from an op shop because I had that mentality that it can't be old because it's ugly and you're going to get judged on it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Didn't realise till even just sitting here now, fuck, that has come all the way through my life, right? So it's just hit me now. I took my son in. My son goes in the... Uh, he goes in the op shop all the time. He will walk out the, um, the pants he's wearing today. Yeah. He looks pretty good, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. $3.50 at the op shop. The shoes come from somebody else. They're not even his. It was yeah. a gift. Old shoes on a basketball court yesterday. Didn't cost him a thing. Right? So it's like he'll go in, he'll come out with hats, pants, shoes, you name it, for 8 bucks, 20 bucks. Yeah. So it's amazing what kind it's of gift. Yeah, it's just that... Um just that mentality, I suppose, you know what I mean? We put all that pressure on ourselves, you know, when it, it that, like none of that stuff really matters, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm going to bring another one up and mum and dad, I love you very much. So don't take this in any way apart from if this can help other people. So my parents used to fight a lot. 
right? Usually around, they ran businesses and mum was, well, dad ran a business or mum helped him run it. It would only ever be around lots of alcohol, but the fights would be huge, right? And my mum wouldn't back down from anybody. That was one of the things she put in, instilled into me that no one's ever going to walk over you and trust me, girls, people still walk over us. We've got to learn our own lesson at the right time. But my mum tried to prepare me as best as she could. But it's really interesting because when I was like, you know, a young teenager, I thought I'd fallen in love. And anyway, the relationship, I remember standing in his house and I'm like, you don't even love me. He goes, I love you more than anything. And I'm like, well, you don't yell at me. You don't swear at me. You don't hit me. Nothing. Can you just hit me or something to show me that you love me? Right? Now, my parents didn't hit each other all the time, but when there was a lot of alcohol involved and something would go down, there would and something would happen and, you know, everyone would be cuddling afterwards. And again, you'd realise they'd done something shit and they would fix it. But I grew up thinking love was, you know, lots of cuddles, um, going out, um, being aggressive, swearing at each other, um, ignoring each other, <coughs> getting lots of love. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas the guy that I was seeing at the time, um, he, his mum and dad never ever fought. He never had ever heard his dad say a bad word. He, they were never allowed to swear in front of his mother. So the mother had been put on such a high pedestal, right, in that space that any form of yelling, arguing, hitting to him was not love. Mm. And it wasn't until we met about, oh, I think one of the boys, 14, so they must have been about seven, we re-met again. Yeah. Um, and we both started to understand that the reason why we weren't compatible was because we had two different ideas of what love was based on how we grew up. Now, if that doesn't start to make you think, right, you don't have to be your parents. You don't have to follow what they did. Mm. Uh, and you're not a failure if you don't have the perfect marriage or the perfect relationship or, you know, if they're fighting all the time and you don't want to fight. It, like, there's no right or wrong. And this is a big thing too when it comes to relationships. Um, like, everyone's going on about love languages and I think love languages are great, but the thing we need to go into more is, like, attachment styles, I feel, and, and, and how you deal with, like, what is love to to you and, like, how did your parents deal with, like, conflict and stuff like that? Because, like you said, um, I fell into that same trap as well, you know, like, my uh, mum dominated over my dad my dad just put up with it you know what I mean so then I was like well that's what you do as you know you just let them do whatever you just put up with it so it's funny how yeah yeah and that's why kids are that's such sponges they just soak everything up so you got to be very careful and you know maybe we're, all, we're all human we all make mistakes but one thing I think it's really beautiful that I see you do and hear you do is you're very quick to I'm sorry like I don't think I've ever heard my mum or dad say sorry to us kids about anything Never, not once. And I just think that, um, yeah, and that that comes with yeah humility and openness and conversation and being able to to express, you know. And that's just something that wasn't in our household at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, that was part of my journey, and I feel like I'm probably the opposite now. I'm probably very open, very expressive, very good at communicating because I. I didn't want to be like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's powerful. Um, so then, yeah, like you said, then you're, you've always become your values, you know what I mean? Like you, you learnt from that, so now that's become like, yeah, something that, uh, and now that's, like you said, that's why I am now a great communicator and, and good with kids and stuff like that. So that's, uh, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's super powerful. That's super powerful. So um, 
<laughs> that's Sean's boys there. Who's that? That's Tyler. Tyler. He's just come to tell me that he loves me. Uh, okay. I love you too, mate. We are just talking about how, how cool you dress. <coughs> how smooth you are. Um, Yeah, and I, I would l- probably want to share one more thing. So when we're talking about people f- having an understanding of what you've gone through, you know, um, um, giant crew, obviously I have two dads. Never did I think I was going to ha- – I don't have two dads. My kids have two separate dads to my kids. And you think, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to get married once, have my kids, we'll be yep. together forever. That's what you think. Anyway, thinking is stinking, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, you know – Imagine my surprise when I'm with I've left Steve. I've had the twins, and you know, 16 months later, I meet another guy, and he's amazing, and he's all these things beautiful. Um, but there's also some shit to him as well. We've all got some shit parts to us, mm. and um, you know, I remember. You just look at my elbow when you said that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I just headbutted the microphone. Did you feel that? Um, and I remember him saying to me because like. I would look after his three daughters as well as my the twins, and I was um, pregnant with Willie. Um, and I just I remember him saying to me, "I can't wait till we're in our fifties, and all the kids can just have the house, and we'll just travel around Australia, right? And we'll go and see everything." And I'm like, "What?" So here's another thing, because I said to him, "When I'm in my fifties, I want my kid my kids bringing their friends home, and they can have fun and be here rather than roaming the streets." And I want this to be a house where everyone can feel like they're welcome. I've got no interest in travelling around Australia unless all the kids are with me, right? Yeah. So even when I've travelled overseas, I've found a way to take all of my kids with me. I never leave a soldier behind. That's something that I've always said to them, right? So here's another thing. When you when you are looking at being in a relationship, uh, do both of you have the same – are you looking at the same things for when you get older? Um, you know, sex is great and that impulsive stuff and – you know, feeling like you can get dressed up and you just feel like that's all amazing, right? And they treat you beautiful. There's always so much more than just that, you know. If someone had taught me to have more conversations in the beginning mm. and ask more questions rather than being led by that impulsive, oh, my gosh, he's amazing, like a, that um, more of that sexual desire, it would have been a whole different story. Glad it wasn't because I got four incredible gifts out of – both of the long-term relationships I was in. Yeah. Um, but seriously, it's like I had to stop and go, there's why we're fighting because even though we haven't had that conversation, energetically we both know different things are important to us, right? Very different things are important and our, our energy field knows it's different. So that's a big thing. If you're in a relationship now, do you still, are you both on the same path to go wherever? If you are, your marriage is probably going to be great. Um, it'll still have hiccups. But if, you, if you're not... Take a deep breath, take a step back and then value. If you loved yourself, do you actually have to be in a relationship with somebody else to feel like you're worth something? Because there's another massive one. We feel like we have to belong to someone to feel like we're worth something. You already belong to someone, your parents. And so many people tell me about, oh, my parents, it's my parents. And I'm like, your parents did the best they knew with what they had to get you to where they got you to. And if you you believe in that stuff like as well, like so you – you chose your parents, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. And they, they've got the qualities that they have and they have the exact qualities that they need to have to then teach you and for you to then bring out the best in you. Um, so if you look at, it's just looking at the silver lining and just rephrasing things instead of, you know what I mean? Uh, and a lot of people you know, can call 
call that uh, bypassing. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's not that you're not looking at the negatives, it's that you've looked at the negatives so much, you know, you know that, you know, you know that side to it, having to start looking at the other side. So I think, and this is another thing when it comes to gratitude, like I love gratitude, but, and, but some people think it's, you can go too far with it and just everything, you know what I mean? Then you'll be missing the point, you know what I mean? Gratitude is about seeing everything as a whole, the positives and negatives and yep. seeing it as one whole thing and saying it's all, you're grateful for all of it and yep. it's it's all balanced and um, it's like equilibrium, you know, it's all like perfect. It's just Rather it's than just, just be grateful for the good things that yes, happen. Yes, yes. You've got to find, the, you've got to find the, the beauty in all the shit that you've gone through because yes. there's always beauty in there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. I think um, when when I look at where I am at in life, and I gave up the this is where I have to be. If for me, if every day my kids are happy, we're learning things, I'm happy and we're all doing things with our body and we're doing things that are making us, bringing us joy, mm. even if it's scaring the shit out of us before we do it, but it feels like that's when we say yes. Yeah. That to me is an incredible day. You know, and I always say to Willie and, and Tyler and Joe and Cruz a lot to Willie. I say to him all the time, Thank you for picking me to be your mummy. Thank you for choosing me. And yeah. he, you know what he says to me? You're welcome, mummy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> like and Tyler's the same. Like, you know, it's hard work. If you've got a kid that's got things that are, you know, showing on this on on the spectrum or autism or um I think what I love, so we even play unified basketball. So we made a whole team so there was not one team ever having a bye because they had odd numbers. So Willie went and jumped into basketball and we just seem to now have all these kids that are starting to come and join basketball and it's like just watching these parents sit and watch their kids play and then we're passing balls to them to make sure that they at least get two or three baskets. Even if they can't, we stay and hand the ball back to them, hand the ball back to them, hand the ball because yeah. they're mostly playing against adults. But just watching the joy in these kids of I can do it. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's right? cool. And when you watch the parents that are there to watch their kids, because everyone's perfect in my eyes, someone will say, but I'm not perfect. I'm like, fuck yeah, you are. You are perfect for exactly where you, what you're meant to experience and know and learn right now. Whether it's good, bad or indifferent, you're perfect. But we're always so busy, no, I'm not perfect yet. I'm not perfect yet. Fuck you are. You are You are perfect. And he's one of the biggest things. Um, I'm guessing we probably have to get ready to wrap this all up at some stage because we could talk for hours. Yeah, this could go um, for days. The people that you think are the ones that are meant to love you aren't always the ones that are meant to love you, right? If you just start by feeling love for yourself and taking that deep breath and slowing down, if it means listening to some um, meditation and just having somebody else talk you through some things, there's one great meditation, it's on YouTube, um, and I can't even think of the name of it, but... Um, she just swears all the way through it, literally. Yeah. Right? And if you're stressed or think something's going on, I'll send it to you and you can put it on your Facebook page. Right. Oh, um, I'll, I'll put it on the link. But, it's yeah, it's powerful and it's this girl that just um, – she just – and it, it's not horrific swearing. It's um, fuck it, let that shit go, I think it's called. Yeah, I think right. I've probably sent it to you at some stage over the time. When you think there's shit going on in your life and it's hard work – Listen, this meditation goes for about 10 minutes. I did that with my kids. I was so stressed about money, all these other things. I'm not going to say this is going to happen to you, but the next morning, $20,000 just over was in my bank account that I thought I was never going to see, right? But I was so busy stressing about what I wasn't going to get when I did that fuck it, let that shit go meditation. It just let everything go. I actually let my kids do it with me. 
So we all let the energetic attachment to whatever it was that I was leading the energy with go. Right. So anyway, I may get judged for that. doesn't matter. So, but um, I'll send it to you as well. Um, Yeah. Because I think that's something that people, if you just realise, breathe in, breathe out, let all that shit go. We don't have to hold on to it. It doesn't have to be us. Yeah. What do I choose in this 10 seconds? Who do I want to be in this 10 seconds? What can I create in this 10 seconds? If you are not creating something, whether you're colouring in a picture or you're reading a book or you, you're creating something that, you know, it might be a design of um, birthday cards. I don't know. Um, but if you're not in a space of creation, you're in a space of dying energetically. So create. Yeah. Creation is just so powerful because you're doing something. So if it's a, 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 even if it's just doing that left-handed writing and staying in that question of what will it take for me to feel this or what would it take for me to um, ha- have this, what would it take for this to show up in my life, right? Go into that because that's creating a new you, right? When you're friends with someone or meeting someone new or starting a relationship, doesn't matter whether it's a uh, intimate relationship or it's just shaking someone's hand somewhere else that's connecting to someone that's a creation mm. you're creating a connection everything's creation so if you're hibernating and hiding yourself then you're not in a space of creation so you know um i might send you some stuff that we you can put on your site and people yeah. can go back and have a look at it on things that they can create yeah to kind cool. of help through that yeah i like that um yeah it's a creation like a everyone thinks like art you know maybe there's things like music and stuff there's, yeah. and there's so many different things when it comes to uh the created creation and people say oh i'm left brain so i'm more create less creative and then right brain it, it doesn't really matter anyone doesn't matter who you are can create something so i've um, i've yeah absolutely so i even know someone that could probably read like a, a full manual book in you know a day and then be able to summarize it have they bothered to monetize it no they can do it though. Yeah. But it's not about the money. It's about, for this person, it's about being in the present moment and feeling joy. Yeah. Right? So it can be anything. It doesn't have to be one thing. It can nah. be anything and everything. You might just, you might like to, um, you know, clean your room a certain way. Then maybe go on and clean in other people's rooms or show people how to organize something. That's a, a way of creation. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, it could be absolutely anything. could be writing a kid's book. could be anything. Yeah. I just want to go back to, I suppose, the fighting. Um. What what was it in you when you like I don't know what did you how many did you do ten rounds twelve rounds what, ten. six ten rounds ten so twos, ten times two minutes yeah okay ten two so when you were you know in the depths of them fights and that like what what did you used to say to yourself and what was it that used to get you through like that tough time and do you use that same um trick tool mechanism to for when you're going through tough something else in your life now absolutely um so um i would always be in that space of i'm fitter faster stronger than anyone else so yep. no matter who was your toughest fight by oh way. my gosh so it and was, what is your record i don't even know what your record is oh, i think in in boxing i think i had 14 i think i had stopped maybe two um because i never learned how to sit down on my punches because i didn't listen to my dad haha <laughs> Funny that. <laughs> He's like, I always told you to sit down and your punches and they're stronger. And that's all I teach now. If I got in the ring now, um, I'm nearly 52. If I got in the ring now, most people couldn't even land one on my head. And I used to fight and get hit all the time. Here's one of the biggest things that I learned from the other end of it is if you've learned something new and it's, it feels light for you, go and teach it to somebody else and then teach it to somebody else and teach it to somebody else. The more you teach it, the more you ingrain it into you energetically, mm. right, and subconsciously. So because I now had to start teaching all these other guys and girls how to move their head and get out of the way, I had to start doing it myself. 
and I had to start getting in the ring and make sure I was getting out of the way. So I had to practice over and over and over and over and over. It's just repetitive stuff, right? Mm. Um, in the ring, I would have this conversation with whether it was God, universe, it didn't matter. Whatever you believe, right? yeah. And I just just said, I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to show all these girls and women that you don't have to be a stock standard girl and do things this way and get married and have a white picket fence that you could step outside and be a mechanic or like whatever you wanted. Yeah. So for me, it was like, this is my mission to show people just follow your dreams and work hard, follow your dreams and go for it. Right. So I would have this conversation of, um, I remember it was my toughest fight was for the first WBC. First time women ever, ever, ever been accepted into the WBC, the world boxing council. And I was ranked number two. And then, um, the, bo- the twins' dad, Steve, at the time said, oh, you're not going to believe they started ranking women's boxing. Um, the WBC started actually ranking women in boxing, which means obviously you can fight for them. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. And he said, guess who's number two? And I'm like, I don't know. He goes, you, you dickhead. <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, well, who's number one? And he says, Kelsey Jeffries. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I straight away find a way to email Kelsey Jeffries and ask her, does she want to have a fight for the WBC inaugural first ever WBC women's fight in featherweight ever in history? Yeah. She says no. So I'm like, right, who's number three? Who's number four? Who's number five? How can she say no then? Because she can. She didn't have to say yes. She so, so she didn't actually own the title? No, no it okay. was vacant. She was just right. Yeah, she was she just was right. She was above okay, me, so you. I went straight to her. Yeah, yeah. Then I went to number three, number four, number five. I can't remember who they all were at the time. Um, and then when number five, though, they all said no. I went straight to the WBC and said, I'm ranked number two. I'm really grateful that I'm ranked number two. Um, I've gone to this, 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 and this. They've all said no to fighting, uh, uh, fighting me. Uh, can you please find me a suitable opponent to fight for the title? And so they give me a woman that was um, one weight division lower than me, um, Marcela Racuna from Argentina. Now, this woman used to, like, I remember watching her tapes when they arrived, um, and I think, fuck, they must breed them tough over there. But this woman, when she knocked somebody out, you would see their feet twitch, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Steve's there, and he's watching, and he's like, Oh, she's going to be way too strong. I'm like, what? No one's fitter, faster, stronger because I've trained with so many men. Yeah. I'm like, I don't care what she's done. I literally don't care what she's done. She can't be stronger than me. There's no way. They haven't trained like I have. So she could be fighting what we call tomato cans for all I know. I don't, yeah. They not, may not be great fighters. So for them to get knocked out easy is probably not hard. Yeah, yeah. She hasn't come up against me yet. It was the toughest thing. I, like, one of the, I went into complete... Program. Mum and dad moved out of a house. I said, leave a bed there and leave a fridge. Um, I kind of lived on that Nando's chicken and not much else, a bit of porridge. Um, and I, I had no access to um, the TV antenna. All I had was all of her fights and then Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin Hagler. Now, I've always been a Marvin Hagler and she was a Marvin Hagler, which is someone that just barrels through people and just keeps hitting. I had to learn how to become Sugar Ray. I kind of did, kind of didn't. Um, but in the, f- I think it was about the third round, my f- I broke my finger and I was like, oh shit, thank God I didn't have to punch with my fingers. I don't know what I'd done, but it made me realize I need to punch more with my knuckles, not my, not the back part of my hand, yeah, my yeah. front two knuckles. <coughs> and then round seven, she's head butted me a beauty and my, I felt my whole cheekbone just cave in and I'm like, I take a deep breath. I look up. I'm like, it's between you and I now. We haven't filled. It was Indie Weekend on the Gold Coast. We wanted 20,000 people there. We were lucky to probably have two. It was like, not that I really knew a lot of that stuff anyway. But I was like, we didn't come this far. 
to give this to somebody else. I have not fought all my life. I've not trained my ass off. I've not pushed myself yeah. to be. I've not fucking been belted by other people that should never, you know, that you would think wouldn't belt you. You know, your brothers, parents, whatever. Yeah. Um, I've, I have gone through that all my life to let this woman walk away with my gift, with, with my world title. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. And I just kept going and they disputed the win. Um, every time I, every time she did something that was illegal, like headbutts or like overhand bowling punches, the referee didn't pull anything up. Yeah. And he, he actually said to me at the start of the fight, doesn't matter what she does, Sharon, I'm not going to pull her up because if she contests it, I want the WBC because they'll actually watch the video of the fight, um, as a committee and then they'll make a decision, which she did contest it. And I said, um, he said, I'm not going to let them not see how, what she may be like. So I'm just going to let her get away with everything. I'll pull you up if you're doing something wrong, but her, I'm going to let her get away with everything. That's and crazy. Like, Fuck, who's my friend? <laughs> and he was actually, I knew the referee. And I'm like, thanks, mate. Um, but yeah, she'd been going around thinking I was this little blonde Barbie doll. Um, she's gonna, she was putting bets on knocking me out in the fourth round and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, when my hand got held up in the end and my face was like really massive on one side, but I'd obviously out fought her and then I had to send the tapes off to the WBC and then they all watched it and then they made a decision and said, yep, she's definitely, Sharon Ineos is the world champion. Um, but that was probably the toughest. Uh, yep. I remember 7 o'clock in the morning the next day. So do they, if it's still um, with the same point score they got now, like do they still give 10, 9 rounds and then, so did you, what was the points? Do you remember what the, was oh, it? No, did you remember what the decision I think, was? No, like? but um, I think I won, um, I probably won, I'm thinking 197, 196, and then there was 192. So one judge, because you got three judges, and they all sit in different areas, right? Yeah, yeah. So some people go, well, how could that judge have such a different score? And it depends different, where you different fought. Angle. Yeah. They might have seen a lot more than the other two judges could because a referee could be in the way, one well, of us fighters could be in the way, anything. Yeah. Um, and it was so funny because um, the next morning at 7 o'clock, I, I couldn't go to the after party or anything. My face was so big. I had a beautiful dress to wear. Um, it was just so stunning, but I couldn't. I put it on anyway, but my face looked like shit. Anyway, um, but at seven, boxing. seven o'clock the next morning, the phone rings and I pick the phone up and I hear this, hello, can I speak to Sharon in yours? And I'm thinking, oh, they've given me a reporter that can't speak English because I'm figuring it's media. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, who's calling, please? And I hear this, it's Kostya Zul. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and it just blew me away that, you know, because again, you never think you're important, mm. but when he realised he'd seen that I'd won the fight, he wanted to ring me first thing in the morning, gradually figured obviously she's going to be busy all night. Um, and he, so he was the first phone call I got and we've been friends ever since, which has been beautiful. How cool is that? Um, and a big thing that also, you know, the WBC take, once you're a champion, you're always a champion, whether you're still fighting or you haven't fought for a long time or you've been retired, you're always a champion. So when you go there, even the male champions, you know, Floyd Mayweather's, Evander Holyfield's, Lennox Lewis, they all spend time with everyone. It's amazing. You know, I, I could sometimes say, like, I'm just this little Aussie from, you know, out the back of nowhere, a little Maui girl, the moccasin yeah. bogan. Do you know <laughs> with the flannery on. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and I think, fuck, I've just rubbed shoulders with, again, we probably put people up on too much of a pedestal, but to kind of be a women, woman and get to where I got in such a male-dominated sport was, was just fucking amazing yeah literally it was amazing yeah it's um, incredible and there's plenty of times where you know i'd read off the rails and i was either drinking or partying or doing something else there's plenty of times i could have just stayed wallowed in a corner and i was like i had to ask myself the question what am i here for 
and it doesn't have to always be the perfect answer, but my, I'm here to make a difference. Well, okay, great. Show me how I can do that. Going yeah. straight into question. So what would it take for me to make a difference? means getting out of bed. If I can show somebody else that's struggling every day just to get out of bed, then that's me making a difference and I can lead by that. Yeah. And I can go and give a couple other guys at work a hug or a couple of girls a hug and just say, today's going to be an okay day. Like That's making a difference. That's a start. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So being in that question of what can I do to make the difference, to do this, to have this. Yeah, cool. All right, well, um, we've definitely covered a lot of things today. <laughs> it's been uh, really cool, but I always ask this to everyone on my podcast. Um, but if you could say, like, you know, for anyone out there, what is your top, like, three, like, tangible, like, actionable things that people can do right away that you know that will help benefit their life? Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so it would be one, breathe deep, in and out. Take some big mm. deep breaths, even if it's five. Even if you stop setting an alarm on your phone for every hour and just stop and do five deep breaths and just really relax mm. your shoulders. I've actually dove into breathing. I, I did probably about five years ago and then I redone now because I like I like to keep up to date and the amount of stuff that's coming out now, like that book Breathe, um, yeah. it's absolutely incredible what breath can do. If you want to read a book, read Breathe. I haven't read the book, but I went and listened to all his podcasts. So he basically says the same things. But If you're a smoker, go and get the book because you'll probably realise you don't need the cigarettes. Yeah. Because it's all about the breath yeah. and smoking. But even like little things, I did not know. Did you know that like you even breathing, you say left and right nostril makes a difference. Yeah. And I'm so throughout the day, just, and this is like my theory and this is probably going to, uh, upset a few people, or may not. Anyway, I don't really care either way. But I, uh, this whole COVID thing, I, I don't really. Um, it's blown way out of proportion, right? And one thing I noticed wearing a mask, because it was covering my face, I started breathing out of my mouth, right? Now our nose is designed to. We're supposed to breathe through our nose. It's got its own filtration system, everything. So we we have to breathe through our nose. So a lot of us especially when we're talking, we breathe through our mouth. A lot of health issues come from breathing from our mouth and not our nose. Yeah. Uh, and then when you were, when I was wearing the mask, it was forcing me to breathe through my mouth, right? So anyway, that's the whole conspiracy theory that I think that these masks... So but anyway, what I wanted to say is with the breathing, the, what, what the, the book, the most important thing he says to do in there is breathe through your nose. And obviously slow your breathing down. But one little trick I didn't realise, they just get a little bit of masking tape. So when you're asleep, they put it just on your lips. It doesn't have to be a big piece, just a tiny piece, just to keep your lips together. It's more of just an unconscious thing. So your your, your lips feel the tape and they don't <coughs> open. So you're constantly breathing through your nose during your sleep. And apparently your quality of sleep just goes done it. through the roof. I've like, done it. Yeah? Com completely incredible. And I've... I know a number of other people that have done it as well. And it's transformed how they sleep. It's transformed whether they snore or don't snore. It's mm. transformed a lot. Um, and another thing on breathing with a mask on, if what the trees don't need, we breathe in. And then what we don't need, they breathe in. If we're, whatever we're breathing out and then we're breathing back in, it's not actually for us. So when we're masked up all the time, we're constantly breathing back in our own air that is meant to go somewhere else, not back into us. So mm. you know, there's another bit of theory. Yeah, but um, I, I don't have all the words on me right now. But um, so deep breaths, even if it's just stop for every hour and just take, just stop, 
just be present. Don't think about yesterday, a minute ago, later. Just five deep breaths every hour. And if you if you can try and meditate, um, the other one would be um, left-handed writing. Yeah. Right. Even if you just that's a new saying, one for me. So thank you for that or one. Or right-handed yeah. writing if you're left-handed. If yeah. you if you're just writing down your gratitude and ask the questions in it. Right. Um, and then um, the other one uh, I think that I think is really tangible. If it's been a long time since you've gone done something that's fun, mm. like jumping on a swing or yeah, for me it's going in the ocean, getting the yeah. surf. You know, that's yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, go and do that. Like literally, go and do that. We forget when we get older as adults that life is about being fun, and that's mm. why I love the kids I've got because we're always doing things that brings them joy. So we're always having fun. And I think, like for me personally, like you, sh- you like you, I get along with all kids. You know what I mean? I think the reason is is because I haven't lost that. You know, I'm always out surfing, out doing stuff, and and I, I talk to people, and you're like, "Well, what do you do when you what what, what do you do when you were a kid that was fun?" I used to always do that. Like, well, when's the last time you do that? Oh, I can't even remember. And yeah. I was like, well, "Why don't you go do that?" And they're like, "Oh, it makes sense." You know, like I know people that were one of my mates. He was so good on the drums. You know, he could do. It. I was like, when's the last time you played drums? He's like, oh, I don't know, probably five years ago. And I was like, go do it, man. I used to love it. And he's like, shit, I might go buy a drum kit, you know? Like, just yep. things that you forget. Because um, all those those things that you used to do that brought you joy, you're no longer doing, so you're not filling that gap. Mm. It's now just vacant space. Yeah. Or you're filling it with negative things that you shouldn't be doing. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Any, any other tips, tools? Um. um yeah, sunshine, 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 mm. sunshine. If you can get out in the sunshine, get out in the sunshine. I know we're so used to working at home or working indoors or if you can get out into the sun, get out into the sun because that just starts feeding you and energetically feeds you on so many levels. Mm. Um, Everything on this planet lives off the sun and yeah. we are included in that. Uh, and, yeah, I think there needs to be a lot more studies done on the power of, one, the sun and two, the ocean. For me, that they... Them to a pair. I can be. I can go for a surf and come out and be a completely different vibration or yep. energetically. I can just be like, like almost like night and day. Like I can Absolutely. be going in there and feeling, and then coming out. Um. So, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um. Because the thing about the beach and the ocean, the the amount of nutrients that are in mm. sand is powerful, and we soak it up through our feet. So yeah, the more sun. Cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank uh, you so much. I've had so much fun. <laughs> it's been great. Uh, I really appreciate you coming along to the Neuro Nevada podcast. Um, we always have great conversations, and I think you're an amazing person. And uh, every time I hang out with you or I see you, uh, I always leave feeling better. So for me, that's feeling light. So I'll always be here. Hanging I'm out. the same. I'm, I'm the same. Um, and I do want to just share um, quickly too, I've got some great guests to bring on. Um, I won't go into it too much. I might just send some information through to your um, page. I've got a young lady who's doing some incredible things to help um, kids with taking care of all their dentistry needs. Yep. They've been stuck on wait lists, so I'll send some info to you and you can maybe share it on your page. All right, cool. Awesome. All right. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. I, I just Everyone that is listening, I just want you to know something. That doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what language you speak, what colour you are, what size you are. I just want you to know from my heart to your heart, I love you very much. And you are a gift. If you're still on this earth, you're a gift. Thank you.
Beautiful. Thanks. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Neuro Nevada podcast. If you like what you heard, please like and subscribe. Also, if you'd like to know a bit more about us, uh, jump on Instagram, NeuroNirvana underscore, and NeuroNirvana on Facebook. Also, if you'd like to check out our services and if we can help you in any way, jump on our website, neuronirvana.com.au.